Have you watched Clarkson's Farm yet? If you have, you might be wondering just how realistic it is. In this episode, we talk about the realities faced by farmers everywhere after I spent some time with some, asking them questions about all the rules and regulations they have to adhere to. We then check back in with Scott Adams and discuss whether his model of decision-making is sound or whether his assumptions were flawed. How did we interpret dodgy data and still use it effectively when he didn't? After that, we take a look at the latest Twitter files dropped from Matt Taibbi and wonder why some things are specifically highlighted to be bad when other, far worse things seem to be revealed. I'm Andrew Elliott. I'm here with my brother Nick, and we'd like to welcome you to Sounding Board. It's great to have you with us. Have you uh, have you watched Clarkson's Farm yet? The second season. I haven't. Ah. I've got it. I've got it to watch. Right. Because I know I'm going to enjoy it. Because I enjoyed the first series, and it's obviously just a bit of a laugh and quite funny. Yeah, it is. Although it, it has it, it has some really really serious points. So obviously okay. it is extremely funny. But the the main takeaway, certainly from certainly from the second one, I mean, there's, there's there's quite a lot of it in the first. But the main takeaway from the second one is just the incredible amount of regulation um, mm. that Clarkson has to deal with to get oh. anything done at all, absolutely anything done. Um, so things like there's in one of the one of the early episodes, he's he's digging out part of his field for to, to build something. Yep. So he's kind of shoveling this earth out with a with, with like a digger. And then he has to he needs to put it somewhere. So he goes to another field and puts it in an unused field and starts putting this putting the earth there. You know, like a hundred and fifty yards away or whatever. Yeah, and uh, the guy—he's got like a guy who helps him with all the, you know, do all the admin stuff. He, he looks a looks a bit like William Hague. Oh, he's you know, like get, his accountant guy. Yeah, 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 really friendly, really nice guy. And he's yeah. saying you can't just do that. You need to apply for a per, like a, some kind of a dumping permit. And it's like, but it's, it's, it's my site on his own on, on ground. My own land. It's like, yeah, the rules are ridiculous. So he had to go and get a permit just to move earth from. It's like it's like if you dug up. A tree in your garden and wanted to move it to the other side, the earth from you know from one side of your garden to the other, and having to get you know get planning permission or whatever. That's crazy. It's unbelievable. Um, he also wasn't allowed to build his own farm track, um, so he what? he has to. But who will build the roads? <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, you know, you can't. You know, you, we're not allowing you to build the roads. You can't yeah. build your own road on your own land. Um, and the, the the crazy thing is, one of the main reasons he wanted to do this. Was so he didn't have to use public roads because obviously of tractors, course. you know, they, it's better for normal roads if tractors are not on them. Yeah, because they they slow everything down, they disrupt traffic. So he's thinking, right, okay, I need to to to, to get stuff from one side of the farm to the other, um, and he's got like a, almost like a mini quarry um, on on part of his farm. Right. So he's got all these rocks and boulders and stuff. So he, they hire all this equipment, start breaking the rocks down. Um, into bigger than gravel, but you know the kind of like small stones, sure. and it kind of digs a track and starts putting these stones down, and uh, and they, they they deny him permission to do that, and they they came back they came back afterwards because obviously you know there was like uproar as soon as Clarkson's farm was released, and they, they came back and said because he didn't submit his request in a timely fashion, they had no choice but to decline it. I mean, how how ridiculous is that? I mean, for, for a start, you shouldn't even need permission. No, to, to to build a road for a farmer to build a road on his own land with his own material. I know it's not like he even had to import anything. No, he he literally got the the, the gravel for it from his land, 
used his own equipment and laid it. But they didn't. They didn't even. They didn't even say. Even if they're going to be bureaucrats, they could have said, "You need to fill in this form." But retrospective carry on. and all that. Yeah. yeah. But no, they, they they stopped him from doing it. Um, he would have been allowed had he done it in the time frame that they suggested. Yes. And so, with their with their so called rules and interpretation of them, they would make him undo. You know, return that land to the way it was then fill out all the forms, then get approval, and then do it all again. It's, it's, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Yes. So anyway, I've been spending time with an actual farmer. Ooh. Um, and so as, as you know, last summer... As opposed to Clarkson. <laughs> well, no, so we'll get, we'll, get in, we'll get into that. But so last summer, I was deliberately seeking out um, mm. you know, a number of different farmers, um, mainly to buy food from, because yeah. if, you know, if, if civilization collapses or the apocalypse happens or whatever, I want to be able to kind of buy my food. So I deliberately went out and made friends with a, like a few farmers, started buying food. And there's one couple in particular who I've been seeing regularly. Um, and, you know, I kind of go over there every, every few weeks, buy, you know, like 100 pounds worth of meat, fill up my kind of freezer container and stuff. And, and I've just been chatting with him, um, you know, regularly about this and that over the past kind of you mm. know, six or seven months or so, perhaps a little bit longer. And the... Um, the last time I popped over, um, you know, a few days ago, and the last time I uh, I went to see him, we just kind of chatted for like half an hour about stuff. Um, I was asking about Clarkson's farm. I said, "Look, have you, have you, you know, have you watched? Do you watch I, it? I, I As a farmer, know how, you know, how if, he, if he's interested, and, and also, you know, how re- how real is it? You know, how close to real life? And and he he loved it. Um, he said he binge watched it with his wife. Yeah, like, watched it in like two nights, and and it's basically all true. Wow. Um, so he's he owns he owns a farm uh, with his wife. Mm-hmm. They've been going for maybe I think they might be in their second year. Um, so they're, they're new to farming, um, and they live with their kids in a mobile home because they're not allowed to build a house. Right. So they've bought a farm that didn't have a farmhouse. Well, his dad. Bought the farm when he was very young, when he was like four years old or something, what? and I don't think it's been used since. It was always it was like with a view sure. to like giving it to them when, when he was older. Um, so it hadn't been used um, for you know for, for a number of years, um, <clears throat> and they wanted to start again. Wanted to kind of like okay, well, we want to want a farm now, so I want to build a farmhouse. And no, you can't can't build a farmhouse. Um, why? Well, so originally they were saying, well, why can't you live in the village? And well. The village is like a mile, a mile and a half away. Yeah, you know, it was the whole point farmers, of farming a land. You don't want to be right there. You yeah. save so much time. And also the house the house prices in the village, he would need half a million yeah. quid to buy a house because it's a really lovely village. He'd need at least half a million to buy a house there. He just wants to build his own his own house on his own on his yes. own property. Um so what they've what they've had to do is he's been granted permission to farm for I think three years. And at the end of the third year, he has to make a certain amount of profit. And if he makes a certain amount of profit, he can then build a farmhouse on his own land. Um, now, it's not, it's not, it doesn't sound like a lot. It's, I think it's, it's something like 25 grand he's got to make. But when you bear in mind the amount of investment you have to do to get a farm going, yeah. all the money is going back into the farm. So actually making 25 grand profit is, is really difficult. 
um, because everything goes back into okay. Well, I need, yeah. I need, a, I need a, a, you know, I need a new barn um, mm. or, or or whatever. Because he's, he's now he's getting more cows, more sheep, um, pigs, that kind of stuff. So he's trying to grow to make the money, but he has to has to invest more. Um, and even to get to that stage, he had to kind of jump through hoops. So he was told that he wouldn't just be able to get permission to farm for three years to, in order to build his house. Why do you need to get permission to farm? I know, it's crazy. It's crazy. But You're telling me that you and I couldn't just buy farmland and start farming it? No. No, we couldn't. Well, we would. I hate... We couldn't do it legally. I hate the world even more every time I hear stuff like this. So what he had to do is he had to get permission to do something else first. So what he did was he got permission to build... I think it was a cow shed because that was relatively cheap. So he gets permission to build a cow shed on this farm that's not allowed to be farmed on. And what and he gets permission. This is he, insane. He builds the cow shed. Once he's got the cow shed built, he then puts in to to be able to, to, to farm for three years. And they couldn't really turn him down at that point because they'd already given him permission to build the cow shed. That's how he, that's how he got around it. He's like, well, you give me a shed. What, what was I supposed to do? So now he has to do that. Um, well, you see, I'm surprised that... You see, they could have just done a Clarkson's farm there, and they and they and they could have said, "Oh, that's your lookout. You you, you should have applied to farm before you built the cow. That's your investment. That's your risk." So I I, I get what he's doing, but at the same time, I would not put it past the bureaucrats of going, "Nope, that's that's your problem." Well, they probably would have done that with Clarkson, I imagine. Yeah, well, it, it, it yes. sounded like he was being a little bit victimised. Yeah. But that's that's the way he was. You know, he was advised to do. It. He had to kind of right. to do it in that order. Um, so he's you know he builds the cow shed. He's then farming for a, you know for, for three years. I think if he I think it's something crazy like if he doesn't make the twenty five grand profit in year three, he can't just make it in year four. He has to apply for another three years and has to wait like another three years to build his house. Right. But even then, the ha- well, get this. This is you. This is I was lost for words when he told me this. The house that he can build on his land has to be a house that he can get a mortgage on. Right. Based on the amount of profit that he's made. So think about the amount of mortgage you can get off 25 grand. Oh. It's not going to be much at all. Even if he had the money outright to build a house, he's not allowed to do that. So what he's, what he's going to do Hang is... Hang on, he, if he couldn't build a house mortgage-free? No. Well, he, he could, but you, you wouldn't be allowed to. You have to be able to get a mortgage for it. That doesn't even make you, any even sense. Even if you don't need it. That doesn't make any sense. I know. So what he's doing is he's building as big a house as he can, um, but it's going to be a bungalow with very strong foundations. So he can build up. So he can build up, and he'll probably build out. Because mm. he's got kids. He's got a couple of kids. Um, you know, he's, he's Bless them, living in a mobile home. And they're living the in moment. a mobile home at the moment. Um, so there's there's no... The life of a farmer. Yeah, and these guys are. I mean, they're so they're such hardworking guys. Um, yeah. Him, him and his wife. They're, they're always at it. They're always doing new things. Um, you know, they kind of they've got they've got sheep. Uh, they were they were lambing when I went over last time. Amazing. Um, which is which is like they kind of come a month early apparently. Um, so right. they kind of caught him by surprise. But yeah, so he's lambing. Um, they've got like they've got a couple of horses on there. Uh, they've got several pigs, um, so they kind of farm pigs, and they've obviously got cows and stuff as well, which they're hoping that they're going to have a few more stakes soon. Yes. Uh, but they struggled to get a bull um, uh, last time around, so they're, they're kind of lagging behind a little bit at the moment. 
so it's you know it's even stuff like that it's it's not you know they don't they, they have cows they don't have a bull so they have to kind of rent a bull uh, to mm. kind of come in and, and impregnate the cows and you know yeah. and, and it's you know it's just timing all this stuff is sure. is, is incredible but they're, they're such hard workers and they're, they're, they're all all he wants to do is build a house on his own farm and you know and, and, and feed farm his it. family yeah and yeah you know it's it's yeah so I was I was just lost I was just lost for words and just the the other thing I wanted to just to, just going back to Clarkson as well so there's a there's a bit in it where he he buys some he buys some cows because he wants to he wants to kind of farm cows he hasn't had because mass- he did sheep in the first yeah he hasn't series. had massive success with with sheep and stuff because they just weren't making him any money he said all right okay we'll do we'll do cows next and he goes over and he buys some cows from uh, takes his accountant who kind of you know, helps him haggle and stuff and they kind of get these cows and. They're, they they bought them from another couple of farmers who've got like a little girl and this little girl had already named one of the cows like Pepper this <laughs> kind of this completely white cow and she kind of asked him to take care of her and stuff so Pepper is kind of like his favourite cow <laughs> and you kind of think well yeah that wouldn't really happen in real life because farmers are much more kind of you know they have to be much more kind of pragmatic about this stuff and they have to be dispassionate but I was chatting to and I'll, I'll we'll, we'll use this photo I, I, I showed you that selfie I took yes. So that's with uh, that was with one of his sheep, Buttons, um, who's now basically a pet. Yeah, um, there you go. Some, something similar happened. So, so Buttons with, oh, it might be Ram. He just said it was a boy. Um, but basically, what happened when when Buttons was uh, very very young, his mum trod on him, broke his leg. Um, so they had to kind of you know get the vets in and spend quite a bit of cash um, sorting his leg mm. out. Um, and I think when he was a little lamb, he was like living with them, like at home. And Amazing, and and the kids obviously named him at that point, and it's like it's game over, it's game over. Oh now. yeah, we're not eating him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so now he's a, he's a couple of years old, um, but he's still in with all the other sheep at the moment. Sure, you know, helping out. And but he's he's so friendly. He kind of came, he came up to see me for like a bit of a scratch. Then he went to some food, and he kind of came back again. Whereas all the other ones were like a little bit. Cagey. Of course, because he grew up with humans. Yeah. yeah, but he but he was what what the farmer was saying was is that well I thought perhaps having a tame. Um, uh, a tame sheep might not be a you know be terrible. He just terrorises everything. He's got a great character, but he just he's into everything, and he just yeah just whatever he likes. <laughs> Can't be told anything. <laughs> so he's not he's not really domesticated. Um, but yeah, they're just they're, they're human beings, and it's like as soon as your kids name it, it's like yeah, that's it. It's game over. Um, so you know, very very similar. Um, Love it. Yeah. You see, I'd quite like. I'd like you know, a cow, a sheep, a goat. <laughs> A couple of chickens. <laughs> I'd, I'd love to do that, but they would—they absolutely would be pets. Yeah. No, no. The, 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 so the the goat would be cutting the grass for me. Mm-hmm. Um, sheep would be nice woolly jumpers. Sheep would be for wool. The chickens for eggs, and the cow for milk. Yeah. And and I would love them all, and I would struggle with the idea of eating any one of them at the end of their life. Um, but obviously, if you're taking them to the end of their life, then they're probably not good for eating at that point um, anyway. Uh, but that would be that would be why I'd have them. I'd have them for all that stuff. Um, if you're gonna if you're gonna have any of these things for meat, then you've got to have it on more of an industrial scale, haven't you? Mm. It's, yeah, it's the, sure. kind of the whole point. Uh, it's the whole point of a farm rather than just a small holding or whatever. Um, but you know, oh, I would love to have raw milk every day. Oh, can you imagine that? It'd be amazing. And that—that's the—that's the most difficult thing I think to get round here. I mean, maybe in England in general. I don't—I don't know, but I've struggled to find anywhere 
remotely close to here. Um, certainly, that is isn't. It's the convenience, obviously, aspect of it, and you want it fresh. It obviously doesn't have a shelf life like the homogenized nonsense that you get um, in the supermarket. So you would need to have it all the time. It's not like you could go and drive a hundred miles and get yourself a couple of weeks worth. It's not going to work like that. Well, once once he has more cows, I'm 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 because I'm, I'm sure he was talking about milk. Right, because so yeah, how does it work? You're getting cows for beef and cows for for milk. That's kind of two different things. Yeah, it? I think it is. I think it is having dairy cows and yeah. they're going in to be milked all day. And but there'll be different breeds as well. Won't yeah. Um, yes. So I, th- I think he was talking about getting some dairy cows at some stage. In which case, I would be quite happy to do a deal with him. Head of the line. Yeah. And just say, look, I don't. You we'll know, take whatever I, you got before you stick it in the tank. Yeah, I will. I will. You know, I'll pay over the odds yeah. for just milk that's literally just come out of a cow. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. That'd be amazing. Yeah. So much better for you. But it's just what seems... And Okay, I was going to say crazy. It's not crazy because when you think of why they're doing it, but farming is the only reason that we are not still hunter-gatherers. It's literally the only reason. <laughs> well, it, it is the stage after hunting and gathering. Yeah. But we we rely on farmers to not be hunter gatherers, and as in to not return yes. to hunter gathering. Yeah. So, just it you know, well according to, it's sinister. Uh, yes, um, and of course what uh, what the horrible people want to do is, you know, create their reactors. Their lab-grown meat factories, which is—it's not meat. It's, I mean, it really is not. It's—it's it's closer to a tumor. Is what they're growing. Really? How do you think it grows? Yeah, I suppose so. that's. It—it's—it's—they're basically precancerous cells. They're—they're they're taking they're taking cells and making them do things they shouldn't do, and they're—they're—they're. As I say, the closest the closest thing you get is basically like eating a tumor. So think about that next time you see any of these lab-grown meat things. Um, it's not. It's it's not real. It's it's not. It's in no way going to be good for you. I'd probably rather eat a Beyond Burger, or whatever, mm. than one of these lab-grown things. And that and that is saying something. Because of the nonsense rubbish that goes into those fake meat things. But yeah, awful. And there's there's no need there's no need um, you know it's we're we're human beings we've got canine teeth we are you know for want of a better word designed to eat meat oh, of course designed we're. or evolved or whatever yeah. we're, you know it's it's our our bodies are uh, well, hunter know. gatherers there's there's a there's a there's a clue in that in that title there because mm. the gathering bit <laughs> is the is the veggie the hunting that's the carnivore yeah. But we just, you know, we we we, you know, we process meat very, very well mm. as, as animals. Um, it just, yeah, it, it, it's well. The only reason we don't have a big gut is because we learned how to cook our meat, and and, and our guts got smaller, our brains got uh, got bigger and better, um, and that's that's not because we suddenly worked out how to grow wheat and eat it. It was because we're cooking our meat. And, well, I I think it. I think. Um, one of the reasons we're getting bigger is because of 
like the, the the wheat products and stuff that we have now. Because I mean, think of I mean, I can I I feel bloated all the time if I just have like a slice of toast or something. Yep. And I'm sure human beings, when they were perhaps, you the, know, the the wheats that were around then, yeah, they must are be different. Nothing. They like. must be different. Yeah, they've been they've been modified too far now, and they're designed for yield uh, and and all of that, and so. What do they call it? The Green Revolution. I mean, I can I can understand. So in places like India, they managed to you know they they, they something like by by changing the by changing the the, the, yep. the wheat and the grain, they managed to kind of save like a billion lives or something because they just weren't having the harvest. So I can I can understand that. I can understand why they've done that. But we don't but need not, to do that in this country. Well, but it's yeah, it. I suppose it's there's a lot of things like this that contribute to call it quality of life um that's just that's an overly simplistic term i suppose um but we do an awful lot of things to ourselves as a society um and you know that's not necessarily global certainly western if we just talk about western society for a bit we do a lot of things to ourselves and i include eating in that um that are long term slowly bad for us um, they're not instantly. I mean, this, this, I've talked before about the reason why I went on the diet I did, and that's because I get a very, very quick reaction to food, either within minutes or at least the next day. Um, and so that association is very clear. And if I slip up, I I ate too much of something a couple of weeks ago, um, and it was actually, I think, literally too much sugar. Um, uh, my wife had a recipe for making ice cream making your own ice cream and you know that's a lot of dairy mm. yeah so i'm i i will not eat normal ice cream but if i can i can seek out so i won't just go to a mr whippy or whatever and get an ice cream because that stuff is just too synthetic uh, but if you look at the ingredients lists on some some ice creams you get a really high fat content really pure ones not a lot of no- nonsense in them i can i can have some of that no no bother at all so i thought making our own would be really good because i get to control what's in it um, and it was basically double cream and condensed milk. <laughs> um, amazing, tasted amazing. But of course, as I'm making this stuff, I'm I'm having whatever's on the spoon and stuff as I'm going. We used to love condensed bowl. milk as a kid, didn't you? Oh, condensed milk's amazing. Uh, and so I'm I'm having this stuff, and I'm and I'm getting wired because of just the amount of sugar. That's well, I was going to ask you, were you like running around? Oh, yeah, you know, full of energy. Yeah, so. amazing. Um, and then and then when it was when it was done, it was all frozen. I had a I had a decent portion of it. Um, the next day was horrific. I, I won't. I will not go into the details, but absolutely horrific. And that was the only change. I've worked out now. I can have like a tiny cube. I can have like a like a little a cubic inch is how much I've dared to have, really? and, I, and I'm fine. And I haven't dared. I had the portion was like four sizes, four times the size of that at least, plus all the other stuff I've been having, mm. and that caused me a real problem. So I'm just, I just have it to have a nice little taste, have the texture, have all that kind of stuff. Um, but the point is, I get a reaction, so I know what's bad for me, so I can do that. But when everything's full of wheat, bad wheat, or seed oils, or these you know chemicals and things, and glyphosate and all this kind of stuff. Because you don't just eat it and immediately get sick, you keep eating it. You think it's fine. But this stuff is causing long-term damage. Well, yeah, and I think I've probably, I think I've probably 
given myself a mild intolerance to to bread and wheat and stuff, mm. just through eating lots of it for yes. my entire life. So after forty five years, it's you know it, it, I'm, I'm not quite as you know not quite as good as I used to be. Yeah, um, and it's not terrible. I just feel a little bit bloated. Um, what what bread are you talking about? Are you talking about like a fresh loaf? From the bread counter in the supermarket, are you talking about yeah, your normally, classic processed normally. sliced loaf? No, you, you're no, about no something fresh. No, yeah, normally like a fresh okay. loaf from the supermarket. Although it's I, still going to be, it's going to be packed full of all the bad stuff. Yeah, I, I do have I do have a bread maker, so I need to start. Um, but even uh, then, you've got to find flour. Yeah, sure. That is not full of rubbish. But at least you, as you say, you can control these those other. Yeah, and a friend of mine has been making some like kind of different types of like sourdough, and apparently that's sourdough supposed to be really good. Yeah, that's that's a lot better. Mainly again because it's alive, because mm. you're you're you know you're putting you're putting proper proper nutrients from yeah. from these microbes in there. Um, yeah, no, I I hoped that I was going to be able to eat sourdough, but just nothing else. Um, but that wasn't the case. Yeah. Um, and sourdough makes me just as bad as as anything else, um, uh, so I can't have that, unfortunately. Speaking of farming, have you heard about the Dutch farmers in the election? Yes, there's, there's, there was a pro agriculture party that did very well recently, and this is brand new. This yep. is they just decided to band together because of the the war on farming. Specifically, seems to be well, one of the. One of the pinnacles, one of the leading edges of this war seems to be happening in in, in Holland, doesn't it? Um, where they're like restricting the amount of nitrogen they can use. And then there's these compulsory farm purchases as well. Um, and uh, they've won like the most seats or something um, in whatever region. I don't know if it's some regional election or something. Yeah, but- and it's it's it's... It's some kind of proportional representation, I think, because they had there, there was like right. a, a four-party coalition, wasn't there? So although that's what the although, prime minister was leading. Yeah, yes. Um, so although they've got the most seats, it's not like they've got an overall majority. No. However, they are going to cause a lot of trouble for that coalition. Yeah. Um, and because it's the because it's like the first time, it's like, that's amazing. Think of what they're going to get next time. Yes, if they keep the same policy. Yeah. And everyone will be energised by it. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, I, I wasn't even expecting it as much as that. But that is such a white pill that they've gone so... They've gone, made such a giant leap um, in just their, in the in their first election. I think that's a huge white pill. Democracy, though, isn't it? It is. But it's better than... You know, it's, it's, there, are, there are trade-offs of everything. And it's better than the position that they were in. So you're supporting people voting for this farming party? No, I'm saying that people voting for that are better than people voting than the others. You, you knew I had to. I would prefer. You on I this. would. I would prefer if nobody voted at all and yep. farmers just did whatever the hell they liked and armed themselves. <laughs> yes. And protected their farms with guns. That would be my preferred solution. Yeah. But aside from that, you've got, you've got, you've got the got the the absolute purist response which is you know kind of i'm i'm going to protect my farm with my gun and you can't do anything yeah on the other end of the scale is voting for these absolute morons who are doing everything to yeah to to get at farmers in the middle somewhere but probably more good than bad is you know is voting for a pro-agriculture um certainly in the the certain in the current circumstances yeah um 
I mean, I'm of the opinion, and again, it's not that this is not the same thing as saying I would vote, but I and I and I don't think, and I'm I know no, you know to think <laughs> that you can vote your way out of a out of a situation, and that at the at the very least you are um, you're enabling the system in the first place and saying that you want to be ruled and and, and all of that. We've we're on record of uh, of expanding on that, but if if people did vote in a party that changed things for the better, I would obviously be all for that. I would be all for that change. If, I mean, at the, can can you imagine if a party got voted in that halved the size of, size of government, for example? I mean, we'd be cheering. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm not not saying it's very likely, albeit I think. If I was going to, if I was going to bet on it, I would say it is actually getting more increasingly likely, just because of how absurd the state is is getting, how far it's overreaching. You know, the last three years, etc., the farming stuff. We are on the cusp of a of a major, major financial, if not the financial crisis, to end all financial crises. Um. If, if ever someone was going to vote in uh, in a really quick turnaround way like this, where a party comes out of nowhere that doesn't need to exist and then suddenly does, it's going to be in the next few years. Yeah, and I think I think the biggest mistake that the cathedral have made, or whoever's in charge, yeah. of, you know, the vice will, as you yep. like, is just I think it's doing too much, too quickly. Um, yeah, too too quickly in succession. Mm. So I I think, and I'm not sure if we talked about this, but I think one of their cleverest moves was to be really outrageous and to do really absurd stuff because people are less likely to believe that that was people like Toby Young and whatever. It's like, How no, could it possibly they, they be sinister? They can't possibly yeah. be that sinister. They can't be that evil. If they were just a little bit evil, it would be easy to believe that they were evil. But because they're doing such absurd wild things like injecting people with stuff that's that's you know that's, that's killing people left right and center well they can't have possibly done that deliberately so the fact that they were doing these things and like you know like blowing up food manufacturing plants and all that kind of stuff it's harder for a, your normie to believe that that was planned mm. whereas if it was just slightly sinister well i can believe they were a little bit sinister i just can't believe that so i think i think doing to the extremes is, was actually a smart move Right, but they've just done too much in too quickly it's not, succession. It's been a relatively, I say, relatively new thing, and then I start thinking. As soon as I said that, I sent you a list, didn't I, the other day, <laughs> of, uh, of the things that we all thought were true that that aren't, um, that are that have now been debunked in some way. Everything from the JFK assassination. Um, through to um, the one I've been learning about most recently, um, and that's Sandy Hook, which you still need to listen to that mm. that podcast. Yeah, I know nothing. I, I, all, I say now, all I know is what you've told me. Yeah, I haven't listened to it yet. So the point is, there have been these outrageous things. Yeah, nine eleven. These these things that they have. I mean, I don't know how in in your face some of these things are. Some of them clearly take some digging. Um, to 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 work out what's happened and to find out that they are dodgy in some way. Well, the Vietnam War, the Vietnam, yeah, the the the, 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 the events wars. that yeah the the events that caused that. 
Mm. You know, there were there were two main events. They're probably both hoaxes. One was definitely a hoax, mm. and it needed something like something like forty thousand people would would have known that was a hoax. And, and, and I, I remember you there saying was, this. There was like one whistleblower finally. Yeah, because everyone just shuts up. Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Um, that's the other one I've been learning about. Oh, sure, um, not actually nuclear explosions. I mean, these are big things. These are big, big things, and yet because. The cathedral exists. It, it it looks after itself, uh, and it's got these different wings. If it was just the state, and the media wasn't part of it, and these other big organisations weren't part of it, it 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 couldn't happen. It really couldn't happen. That's but, that's definitely part of it. But part of it is also people just don't want to believe that people can that the people in charge can be that evil. No, they just they're, they're just fighting against it. It's just such massive kind of cognitive dissonance. Oh no, they can't they can't possibly have hidden that from us. But you see, I think going back to what you're saying about them going slowly and a little bit evil, I think that they're I think I mean that's how excluding these major events. Um, that is generally how they operate. It is, but recently they've been kind of they've been doing a lot evil, which I think has worked. But they should have done that slowly. They've gone from doing slowly and and, and and like a little bit evil, the kind of the boiling of a frog. Mm. And then they've done these kind of huge, huge things. But I think they were just too close together. They've now done too many together. Yeah. You know, you've got you obviously got the whole COVID regime. You've got the war in, um, in Ukraine. You've got the kind of the war on farming that they're doing. Um, you know, you've got like digital IDs and stuff. And it's have, just- you, have you noticed how... Um- uh, we don't get terrorist attacks anymore. Is that because the war on terror was so successful? Well, forget the war on terror in a bush sense. Um, think about the things that happened in London, for example, and Manchester. Yeah, yeah? The, these are in very recent memory. Um, I, I was st- I was in London on I remember on that day. But that, I mean, that was quite a while ago. But even there's, there's been other stuff. The the London Bridge or whatever it is, or oh sure, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. There's, there's been stuff that's happened um, a few years ago, and then it stopped when there was a magical virus. Why is that? They're 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 very real. They're Ter- very they're very very scared. Terrorists very very sick. Yeah, unable to uh, unable to kind of terrorize, and then the they point- started keeling over and having heart attacks on their way to. They're all, they're all jabbed. Yeah. <laughs> the the point I'm making is that when you look more closely, when you actually open your eyes more, there's an awful lot more stuff that is not that low level that is that is going on. So you talk about these major events, you're not wrong, and there is a slow creep, the you know the long march of the institutions and all that, um, uh, the creeping authoritarianism. There are the major events like 9/11. And the Vietnam War, but then there's also that this other stuff like get used to terrorism. Get you know, and if we do that, then people will give more of their rights away because we need to protect them. And it's always done in the name of safety. But they've discovered that they don't need that now. They can just they can just do it all with a virus. Yeah, I mean the interesting thing now, I think, is on the financial side of things um, because it is now happening. The banks have started to collapse. Um, the, the tweet I sent you, which was just a, a, a news report, 
um, of the joint statement from the you know in the US the Fed and the Secretary of the Treasury or whatever, which is you know everything's fine, you know there, there is absolutely nothing wrong. There is definitely not going to be a hurricane. It was it was that kind of language. I, I remember I remember this vividly from would have been two thousand and eight. Um, when they were, you know, they were saying the same sorts of things because there was there was a little bit of worry about the banks, mm-hmm. and I remember the exact. It was so it was it was my stag weekend, and I went out with it. Went to Berlin with a few friends, and um, uh, so one of the guys worked in uh, financial financial district in kind of financial institutions, and we went away on the Friday, and got smashed. Basically, constantly for the, for the whole weekend. Yeah. Other than a little bit of like go karting and stuff, we were kind of yeah we were trolling the whole weekend. Um, had an amazing time, and I remember kind of coming back afterwards, and he was like looking at his phone saying, "I wonder what, wonder what, you know, wonder what happened while I was away." And it's like, oh, all the banks have crashed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah very funny, very funny, Pete. And no, 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 the banks are starting to collapse. Um, so yeah, I remember that vividly because they were saying, "Oh yes, they've all got AAA ratings and all that kind of stuff." Yep. And then we went away for a weekend, came back. What's happened? Oh, it's all collapsed. Yeah. Um, well, the, the the statement today is, you know, they're all healthy. Um, yeah, every, everything's fine. Everything's fine. But they never ever give that message out unless it's right before they die, mm. isn't it? Because they never need to. I have full confidence in the minister. It's it's that, isn't it? Well, and then another, they're out twenty four hours later. Yes. Well, the way you were just for our listener, the, the <laughs> way you were standing, realize. the way you were standing there, you had both of your hands up, okay, and you were doing what I suggested that you needed earlier, which was the comical Ali, yeah, meme, where he's there saying. Well, so this is the this was the information. The American tanks are committing suicide. Yeah. The, yeah. So this was the was it was he the information the Iraqi minister? information minister. Yeah. Comical Iraq. Ali. They told they, they nicknamed him because there was there was, there was, was chemical, chemical Ali. Ali. Yeah. This is comical Ali. But this guy this guy was a hero. He was brilliant. He was there just denying everything. There, there were virtually like tanks, tanks rolling behind him. In the background. Yeah. And he's there going. There's nothing to see here. There's nothing to see here. Because it reminded me of, you know, in um, which Naked Gun film is it? Where it's like, please disperse, there is nothing to <laughs> yeah. see here, and the building's like exploding behind him. It was it was like that. Yeah. It was, it was almost like it was set up. That um, that was the announcement today. Yeah. And, and I didn't realise I was doing the meme as well. You were, doing, you were literally doing a live meme for me. Um, but even you know, a few days ago, so obviously um, uh, Silicon Valley Bank was like, what, a week and a half ago, two yeah. weeks ago, or whatever. Uh, and then you know, a bit of stuff happened, and Biden's out there saying it's contained. It's it's completely contained. And then what what happens? But Credit Suisse, not 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 some tiny organisation that no one's heard of, but one of the like five most important, you know, named one of the five most important financial institutions in the world, <laughs> goes broke. Yeah, to the point where the, the Swiss central bank have to step in, and then they're rushing around trying to find someone to buy. You know, in the UK, uh, was it HSBC they made by the SVB UK branch? I'm not sure. I think it was. I think it was HSBC for a pound. Um, you know, because it has to be some stupid transaction involved. Um, and then uh, it's, uh, what's the other Swiss bank? UBS. 
UBS have bought Credit Suisse for like a couple of billion instead of the I don't know eighty billion that they was you know should have been worth. Technically, maybe like last week, <laughs> but even even the um, uh, even the headlines in the same day. Now I had a look at the Telegraph, and the Telegraph website was like, you know, there's a report saying, it, 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 you know, everything's contained, everything's fine, and then like three hours later, it's Credit Suisse is in trouble, and that's that's the current age that we that we live in. But I get the impression that they haven't really been okay since 2008, anyway. They haven't been okay since 1913. Well, yeah, okay, you know, but but you know, <laughs> they've, they've they've been on like death's door since yeah. um, since yeah. 2008 and never really recovered. Well, the only so-called recovery has just been pumping more imaginary money. Yes, in. yeah, money printing, and that's and that's the only way it works. Um, and, and obviously, there is a school of thought that COVID was done at a particular time because it was all about to kick off then. And they needed cover for the crash and for the crisis. Um, and again, I, you know, I have, I have some sympathy with that with that position. But why then? And then why now? You know, why why have this week we got banks collapsing? Trump's going to be arrested. <laughs> you know, there's. I've seen that. I've seen. I don't know whether someone's quoted it. Or or whether it's I don't know how this phrase has come about, but it's the you know what is it that decades can happen in weeks? Yes, and weeks can happen in decades yeah, or, or something. I saw that. Um, and this is this is one of those weeks where decades happen. Yeah, I saw, I saw that. I saw. I'm just I'm so I'm just searching for a tweet at the moment. So this is from um, Scott Adams. Um, How is he doing these what? days? Since since he's been cancelled, you mean? Well, so, yeah, since since we last spoke about it. Well, so this this was this was the um, so he sent this this morning. This is the tweet I saw. He said, "If Trump gets indicted, it will make him look right about everything, including whatever he was wrong about. It will be the final confirmation of everything you suspected about the system is true, even if it isn't." I thought that was a really good point. Mm. If he gets arrested, it's, it's going to just galvanise his supporters. Well, I've certainly seen someone say, if if he gets arrested, he wins the next election in a landslide. Um, if they don't cheat. Well, I was going to say, yeah, that's. I mean, yeah, ex- exactly. Mm. Um, he probably won in a landslide last time. <laughs> um, this has been an absolutely perfect pivot. Okay. Um, I have some Scott Adams stuff. Now, this is not about... Uh, his cancellation, and this yep. is just this is this is previous to that. I know we mentioned in the past a bit about him um, saying, "Yeah, hands up, I got it wrong," and and all that kind of stuff. And I know you and I have talked about this a little bit in private, but I don't think we have on the podcast. So I had a chat with him. Yes, on on Twitter. I think you did mention this. I might, yeah, but I haven't gone into detail because okay. basically after that he made a video. Um, right, based off of the off, off, based of that off, conversation, off of the conversation, and it wasn't just me; it was me and a couple of other people. Um, but uh, you know, it was it was all about you know like the, the it was all about how we kind of got to make these decisions. And he was a little prickly at first. Um, I because I I replied to some somebody one of his fans um, who was a, a bit sycophantic, I think, but one of one of his fans posted something. And he retweeted it, and I just replied to it. 
saying, no, 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 I think you're wrong about that. Yeah. And then he replied with something else. And we had a, a couple of things that um, uh, it was all quite amicable. Um, mm. um, it started off reasonably aggressive, but then kind of calmed down a bit. And then Scott replied saying something like, to, to the guy saying, I love it when you shred my critics, um, which wasn't actually what was going on at all. Um, well, I've read that thread. Yeah. And, and I- there is no way that it could be described as you being shredded. No, not at all. Not at all. Not, um, not even close. No. That was wishful thinking. Yeah, that was a cope. Um, and, but I just, <laughs> yes. I, I just replied to him saying, I'm, I'm not a critic. I just disagree with you on this one thing. And I think I described it as being, I, th- I think I, I said it was an uncharacteristic mistake or something like that. And then he replied, "Oh, you think I made a mistake? I had a, I've had a better pandemic than you, or something like that." Um, and I remember thinking, "Well, I don't think you did. You were worried about this shit for." How did he have a better pandemic than anyway, you? But then we we kind of had like a we had we had like a couple of uh, a couple of points, um, and we kind of chatted a little, a little bit. And then he ended up saying um, that puts you at the top of the awareness group. So he was quite nice at the end. Um, but but you got to bear in mind that he was getting hammered left, right, and centre from yeah. people. You know, he's got hundreds of thousands of followers. Loads of them were having a go at him at the time, and he was understandably he was probably on the defensive. Yeah. But then once we got you know once we had a few tweets back and forth, he was fine. Sure. Um, which which was fine, and then the other guy was as well. We were kind of you mm. know, chatting and stuff. I'll get back to why I was at the top of the awareness group in a bit. But he produced a video of how he came to his how he came to his decision and how. He makes decisions and how decisions are made in general. Um, so he kind of he did his normal. It was his. Um, it was like a bit on uh, you know he's like coffee with Scott Adams stuff. Mm-hmm, and, yeah. and then he kind of it was just got kind of cut into like a small ten minute section. But he had like his whiteboard behind him, and he was kind of drawing a couple of things. So the first thing was he had like a, just a box that said facts. Um, I think it was facts. He said, this is this is what you what we do first is you gather what you know. What do you know for sure? When you when you come in to make a decision or something, you need to kind of you know you need to ascertain what you know, and then he says, um, because this is real life, you also have to make assumptions. There are things that you don't know, but you have to make assumptions, which is absolutely fair enough. He says you then make your assessment, and at the end he had like a box that said like correct decision, which is like, well I would argue that may, maybe I would name that maybe best decision or something because you know. I mean, he's obviously made some incorrect decisions in the last couple of years. Based on a combination of what he calls facts and his assumptions. Yeah, so, yes. but I'm not going to be picky. I we all know what he means. Um, he just means decision. He does mean decision, yeah. yeah. Um, but that's that's the process, and, that, and that's what, what kind of everybody does. And and then he, what he does is he asks the audience, like, so what would, you, what would you call this? And then people were saying stuff like risk management and risk assessment, all that kind of stuff. And then he's, after a few, he'd stop and said, look, I'd just call this guessing. He says, I used to do this for a living. I used to work for various companies and I'd have to give predictions and projections and all that kind of stuff. But ultimately what we're doing is it's like educated guessing. I was going to say, it's, it's, a guess to me is when you have very little information. Well, yeah, so this is, this so, is the thing. And this, this is where his prank was coming in because he kept talking about pranking people. and uh, Define that then. Well, so, but it, he didn't for a long time well I kind of had to work it out but I think he's got like a locals group where you have to kind of pay five or ten pounds a month or whatever and he was kind of sharing it with them and just basically and talking about the prank but not what it was on on Twitter but basically what he was doing was he was asking people how they knew that the vaccines were bad and then getting them to admit they didn't really know 100% and then saying hi you guessed just like me we all guessed Uh, so technically 
he's right. Nobody, nobody knew in air quotes. They, they, but it is, he's he's being a pedant at that stage. And there are there are guesses and there are massively. Um, well, but that's right. We're at the. I described, I described Toby Young with his straw man version of conspiracy theory mm. that's impossible to achieve. And so it can never be that. So it can never be a conspiracy theory because it can't meet this very strict definition of what I come up with. It's the only scenario that it, you have to prove that scenario, otherwise it doesn't work. Yeah. That's the same as saying you have to uh, being 100% certain is you can't ever be 100% certain in anything, so therefore everyone's guessing. Yep. Which is, so, and, and that's I find a, that so boring, well, a, so an that's, assessment. That, that's why he put me at the top of the awareness group because I acknowledged that it was, it was a guess, even though it was an educated guess. But... You know, my guesses were miles better than his, mm. by like orders of magnitude. Mm. Um, um, and he, you know, he, he, I guess he could argue that he was trolling, um, but trolling's funny. Is that pe- pe- pedantry? Is not funny, even to the people who are aware of it. So, was he trying to get people to subscribe to his definition of guess, or was he genuinely trying to find out? why people and and come up with a scale of why people have made better guesses than him and trying to order those guesses on this on this spectrum no he was just trying to get people to admit that they were guessing i think it was a cope i mean and he was his what he was doing required so one of the reasons for me it doesn't work is because it requires an extremely liberal definition of the word guess yes and an extremely strict definition of the word no Mm. because there are there's you know I, I would say that... Well, because you can apply it with his definition of guess, as you said, which is loose at mm. best. You would need to apply the same definition to every single one of the things you put in his fact box, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah. So you you start compounding each of those things. and But rather than his method if you can call it that, his model is to put facts into a fact box and then to put assumptions into an assumption box and I assume he weights them in some way in order to make his decision. But you would have to apply some weight to every single one of those facts in his little guess we'll, we'll go. We'll go, into, we'll go into what he what the assumptions that he made. I just want to talk a little bit more on this. So, so I, I think it's a coping mechanism. I think he was trying to convince himself that he's clever, still a little bit clever after making a very bad decision. And that I've got this amazing way of making decisions. And and the way I've got no, I, I, is no. sound. Yeah. He but, doesn't want to destroy his method of making decisions. I think that's... Well, without, going in, without knowing all the stuff that you know about him and going into it, my gut reaction is that the last thing he wants to do is throw away his method. Well, no, so he's... Okay, we'll go into it, but his method is sound. His assumptions were wrong. Sure. And in order to okay. co- in order to cope with that, he's, his cope is that we all just guessed. Right, he's trying to justify his assumptions. Yeah. Okay. Um, but it's like... Th- th- just just going, going back into this, the, it's like we went out to gather wood yesterday, and I might ask you, how did you know we weren't going to get struck by lightning? <laughs> And you might say, well, because it was a lovely day and there wasn't a cloud in the sky. And I'm like, well, okay, you didn't actually know, did you? Ha, 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 aren't I clever? You didn't know that we weren't going to get struck by lightning. But the chances are so 
infinitesimally small you know the weather would have had to have changed so dramatically in such a short period of time we'd have both had to have gotten injured and not been rescued and you know by the time that the weather changed and that lightning should have, would have had to have struck that exact spot even though there were all these tall trees around us we knew po- we weren't possible get, versus probable yeah we knew that we weren't going to get struck by lightning was it possible that we could get struck by lightning you can only answer yes uh, but it was so highly improbable that we knew we weren't going to get struck by lightning. Absolutely, and you can apply that you to, can, you can apply were, that to were, we, were we going to die from COVID? Yeah. Um, but that is, you see, that's the same. Oh, God, that reminds me of when my wife did jury duty. Uh, she had a pretty nasty case to deal with, which I obviously won't go into any details with. Um, but... I can't remember if it was her or someone else on the on the jury asked the the judge for some guidance on we've all watched lots of American courtroom dramas, whether films or TV series. Um and it's reasonable doubt. I remember I remember was it um what was that series we liked? Boston Legal? No, I'm not thinking of that. <laughs> I'm thinking of Murder One. Oh right. Oh, Fir- the first the series. Yeah, the first series of Murder One. And there was one of the... I don't think it was to do with the main case that ran through the series, but there was one where um, the lead guy, I can't remember his name, he did a whole thing on reasonable doubt. And his whole ending statement thing was what reasonable doubt was. And what doubt was? And what reasonable doubt was. And that's a that that term is a very American one from the American legal system. I don't think we really have it over here. Um, and but somebody on the jury that my wife is on uh, asked, um, "What should be our definition of of whether we agree that this person is you know guilty or not guilty, whatever?" And um, and the judge was pushed on it, and he said, and he just said, "You need to be sure." And that, to me, feels exactly the same thing. I'm, I'm, my, my wife says to me, what do you mean? That's, that in and of itself, you could say, well, I'm, sh- I'm sure about that. But you could still be wrong. And everyone's definition of whether they're sure about something is going to be different. And I said, well, if you ask me, I'm not sure. And it's like, and it's like whether to send someone to prison or not, or whether, to, whether, or whether someone is going to be kept, on, kept out of prison but might offend again or anything... That's an that's an absolutely impossible measure to meet because I personally will never be sure. I wasn't there. I didn't see them do it, so I can never be sure. I would never be able to convict anyone if the definition is, "But are you sure?" Because, and I'm sure not everyone takes it the You're same sure? way. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, damn, <laughs> I'm I'm not sure that everyone takes it the same way as me. Be- but because some people might just go, oh yeah, no, I can definitely be sure about that. Yeah, but for some people it might be seventy percent. Yeah, but they probably don't even put a percentage to it. Mm. Um, yeah, so this—that's uh, what I actually quite like the term "reasonable doubt" because I think that 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 means you have to think in, you have to at least try and apply some kind of rationality to mm. it uh, to try and reason your way through what that doubt is. That doubt reasonable or not? You can everything. Everyone can doubt. But is the doubt reasonable? That makes sense. Just saying, are you sure? <laughs> but should you be sure? Yeah. But anyway, I, I didn't think I didn't think his prank was very funny. It, it wasn't, you know. It's, but, it's so the really... prank was just trying to reveal that everyone was a guesser. 
I think so. By his measure, by his amazing definition of guess. I think so. It did, but it's it's not. It's pranks should be pranks should be funny. It's like trolling. Well, it, no, it's not a prank. Yeah. He may have called it a prank. That was not a prank because there was nothing funny about it. No, and I can I can understand wanting to get people to like make people think twist and turn about stuff. It's like if you, I I I love it when when someone when someone woke describes. Barack Obama as being black, and you you ask them if they think it's sexist that they've completely disregarded his mother's heritage. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. Okay, that's yeah. trolling because they get they, 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 all, you see all the twists they and turns, stuck. and they're trying to. I'm like, do I want to be racist or do I want to be sexist? It's like, yeah, which one? It's in hilarious. the victim hierarchy wins me more points. Yeah, so that's funny, but yeah. Um, do you want to get into the assumptions that he made? Yeah. Right. Okay. So he. We'll we'll talk about. I want to. He he made a couple of very bad ones, but I just want to get into a couple of the general ones that he that he kind of screwed up on. I mean, I do kind of want to know. I don't know whether you have them or not. I would quite like to know what his facts were as well. But yeah, I'm he happy. didn't. He didn't. He didn't go into that. Um, what is I don't because that could make a massive difference. Yeah. Like fact, asymptomatic transition <laughs> transmission. You know, <laughs> sure. I mean, so one of the things he was saying was that he. And he said this on Twitter a lot. Is that he he didn't trust any of the data. He he argued that all the data could have been bad, and that he didn't he absolutely didn't trust anything, which is kind of a fair comment. I don't believe him. Okay, because why did you do anything at all then? If you didn't trust any data, then everything came from data. Everything, everything came from some amount of data. That people were getting sick, that people were dying, that whatever—it all came from data. Sure, but he was—he was going if, more. If he's going to have a strict definition of that, I'm going to have a strict definition of data. Well, so he was going more on like speaking to doctors and nurses that he knew, and anecdotal evidence, and people that you know, all, all that kind of stuff. I think he went. So he, he was classing that. that as not data. Yeah. Okay. Which I, I can I can un, I so can he means statistics that. more probably probably okay, um, but my point is. You can still infer things from untrustworthy data. So, elaborate on that. Right. So you first have to start working out how it's untrustworthy. So, for example, it, from the beginning they were giving us um, positive cases, hospitalizations, and deaths. Okay. Those, I would argue, to start with, they were only actually giving deaths because they didn't have oh they probably didn't have the positive cases at first because they didn't have they the didn't tests, have the tests quite, and, yeah. quite early on I mean certainly in like March sure. April they had the, they had sure. the tests um, they well, could they, and they had to pivot to cases because the deaths weren't high enough yeah but they they could have been one of three things they could have been exactly right which is we, we, we can all disregard that or they could have been underreported or overreported sure and then we need to work out which it is um, so what you do then is you look at who's providing the data and what they're pushing and in this case, the data is from the government, and they are pushing for lockdowns and for vaccines and that kind of stuff. So it's most likely that it's overreported. So when you look at the data, it's when when you and I looked at the data, it was clear that every basically everybody would have been, would have been fine, and almost nobody actually needs a vaccination. If you think about the the you know the, the number of deaths that there were, something like ninety nine. Right. Sorry. Whatever. So just we're, we're framing this in term. It, this is going back to his question of whether the vaccines were safe or not. So this wasn't just about corona or stuff in general. Well, I'm I'm using the corona data as an as an example of why you don't or you, why you do or do not need a vaccination in the first place. Okay. 
but this so when he but when he's talking about the the, the the decision you're talking about that Scott Adams made was about the, whether the vaccines are safe. Sure. Okay. Just want to check. Well, no, no. It's whether he whether he would take a vaccine or not. Right. I just want to check whether or not he was talking about a decision on whether the lockdown should have been, you know. No, the decision was whether or not to take a vaccine. Got you. Sorry. So you need to know how you need to make an assessment as to how dangerous. No, 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 I agree with all of that, but I realised that we've just gone through this entire conversation without really knowing the question. (laughs) Yeah, the question was, should I should I take a vaccine? That that's perfect. The question. Perfect. Um, uh, so when you look at the data, or when we looked at it, it was clear that almost everybody would be fine. Mm-hmm. And that, for example, you and I knew early on yep. um, that from the data uh, we wouldn't need we wouldn't well, need a vaccine. I remember us saying it's not dangerous enough. Dangerous enough. Just just in general, that I wouldn't recommend anyone get the vaccine because it's not actually that yeah. dangerous enough. Based on that data. So the sure. moment, let's make the assumption we don't know whether the data is right or not. Okay, so we're looking at who's providing for the data and what they're pushing. Um, now, either the data is underreported and the government has reached the, for, for what I want to term at the moment, the correct decision that the vaccinations are needed. Let's just assume that the, the vaccinations are needed and they've come to the correct decision. That must have been by pure luck because the data doesn't support Supports that. It coupled with the stupidity of not presenting the correct data to back up their case. Right. So if, if the vaccinations were needed, it was a combination of pure luck and stupidity. And then, but that's just us. You then look at other countries around the world who all did exactly the same thing. Yeah. Which means that either all countries underreported the data, but simultaneously reached the correct decision that we need to get vaccinated, or something dodgy is going on, mm. either by coordination or bad incentives or a combination of both. Yeah. Either that, or the, da- the data would be that uh, they've been overreporting the data to try and push their point as much as they can because they were pushing the vaccines. So either way, you don't you don't need a vaccine at that point. Yes. You know, you can just exit your decision tree. Yes. At that point, um, but it would you would you would certainly infer, however however you you want to get through that decision tree, that you don't need a vaccine. So the data that he rejects is on the dangerousness of the virus. Well, he was saying he rejected all of it. So all, all the, he, well, he wasn't sure what, he was, he was seeing figures and statistics from everywhere and he wasn't sure what to trust. So some of it might have been accurate, some of it might not have been. And he, he was saying that he wasn't sure. He didn't think he could trust any of it because there were people on both sides pushing, people saying that it was really dangerous and some saying it wasn't. I don't know who to trust. Right, that's that's what he's saying. Um, but all all this is before you even think about whether the vaccines actually work and whether they have side uh-huh. effects as well. Yes. Um, so we'll we'll now go to the assumptions that he made in his video. So one of them was long COVID. Oh, this is yes, I've heard about this. It's the balancing act. This is what I've seen mon- multiple people do this, and it's well, there might be side effects from the vaccine. But long COVID is really dangerous. So it's some kind of least worst option is what they try to go for. But again, you're making the assumption there that the vaccines actually do something, aren't you? That they have some positive, they confer some positive benefit. Yeah. Yes. Because well, it's trust. Because if they don't work, pure, you're pure gonna, you could end up with both. You could end up yes. with myocarditis and long COVID if you believe in, you know, 
long COVID. Yeah. Um, but he was concerned about that because of lots of anecdotal data. Um, and it was it was so commonplace he couldn't rule it out, apparently. Um, now, so for me, it was, and I remember discussing this with you, it was so early in the pandemic that we brought this up that it couldn't have actually been that long. Oh, agreed. They're it called- was like March or April, wasn't it, when they were talking Suddenly about long, long COVID. COVID. And it's like, oh, um, do me a favour. And yeah. also the symptoms were identical to post-viral fatigue, which isn't remotely deadly at all. And, you know, I guess what came to our advantage is that we, we've both had it. Yeah. And, and, and we're still here. Um, so he didn't he didn't call bullshit on that, which he should have done. Mm. Um, the This one I've saved until last. And you'll be, I, I think you might be shocked at this. Um, he believed the, the majority of side effects would be in the first six months. So he waited six months to get his because that's what normally happens with vaccines. <laughs> <laughs> that strikes me as being the worst of all. Right, from someone who's clever. Can I just unpick that? He thought that... This isn't quite a service pack one stuff like you're saying. He's not saying he waited for them to iron out the kinks. I'm not sure what he's saying. He's how, sa- how does he avoid them? Surely he just delays how, when he gets them. Yes. But he's he, he waited six months. To see what they were? Yeah. Didn't think there were any major side effects. Then got it. Right. But, and his assumption is all vaccines have a side effect profile. In that, he would be right. And so he wanted to wait six months to see, to, to do his own assessment in his own weird way, data-wise. And again, how he did not find... This goes back to the conversation I had to you a couple of weeks ago on, on the podcast about how you gain access to information. I think we were talking about Matt Hancock and how he was able to joke about um, Bill Gates putting chips in people. And that, to me, struck me as interesting because that meant he did actually have exposure to the information that we were exposed to. And I assumed that that wasn't the case because he had this little, you know, he's had his own echo chamber. And the same thing I assume has happened here with Scott Adams, that he had his echo chamber that didn't allow him to see what all of the... um, you know, politicians getting Guillain-Barre syndrome, um, Justin Bieber's face falling off, um, footballers falling over on on pitches, and but he's gone. He's, ha- he's gone wrong way before that. He's gone wrong way before that. mRNA therapies have never been never been tried before. Uh, yeah, agreed. So how how he thought he could extrapolate data from previous vaccines to this one? He might be right in the the 95% of all side effects occur in the first six months for every other vaccine. That might be a case. What, but you can't use that, you can't use that data for something that's brand new. It's not, it's not even, it's not apples and oranges. It's apples and antimatter. <laughs> you know, it's so completely different. There's that's, no way. That has to be the name of this podcast. <laughs> apples and antimatter. There's no way you can extrapolate any data. Um, you know, what? Yes. That that's that's the um, right. It, so it, that's another thing that he's not got in his model, which is the the blind acceptance of the term vaccine. The, in mm. fact, the redefinition. Again, his model should be: Did they have to change the definition of pandemic 
and vaccine in order to do the things they did in 2020 and 2021? And the answer is yes. So I think you're right in that his method is sound, but you're wrong in that he's really rubbish at applying it. Oh, yeah. Yes. Is that fair? No, yeah. I, I never. I, I would never defend his decision-making. Um his method is sound in the way you get the facts, you get the assumptions. His, his way of categorising each of those things and whether they should be in fact or assumption will be rejected is fundamentally flawed. Yeah, well, and I, I don't know what he had in facts. So he may, he may have had actual facts in facts, but I think there weren't enough of them and his assumptions were diabolical. Yeah. I mean, we, we knew months and months and months before the rollout of the jabs that they were... Dangerous because they were new, they were experimental. We knew that the only way they were going to be produced is if the companies got given um, uh, uh, immunity, legal immunity. We knew that they'd killed all the animal animal hosts. um, That it was gene therapy, and that they weren't even needed. That's the that's the big one. That's the big one. They weren't even needed. It's not like this is Ebola and. and that it was being held over the population, mm. as in, we're only going to release lockdown when the vaccine comes. So it felt like that was the reason we're doing this. We're doing this to get these jabs in you, as opposed to doing it for the so-called right reasons. Yeah, and the only way you'll get your freedom back is if you all yeah if, is if you all in get exchange jabs. yeah. Yeah. We can't possibly let you live your lives until you get jabbed. So have you heard about the plasmids in the DNA? No. So this is a relatively new thing in terms of discovery. Um, and this is that... And this strikes to the long-term problems associated with these horrific injections. Uh, and that is, as part of the manufacturing process these plasmids and I, you know, I, I, I don't know what these things are but let, let's just say there's a substance in there that as part of the manufacturing process should have been very very minimised, filtered out, yeah, I know you're screwing your face up there. I know what you're going to say right, okay. carry on, carry on. Uh, and it turns out there's a lot more in there than there should be Yeah, you knew that, you knew that was where it was going um, but the point is it's, it's DNA not RNA and so it can make permanent changes. That rain has now got very loud, hasn't it? It it can make basically permanent changes. So there are people who have had these doses that, uh, let's charitably say that it was a manufacturing error, in which case it probably didn't affect all batches, and we already know, that there are there are some batches that are worse than others, and if we if we make the again the charitable assumption that that wasn't part of the experiment, <laughs> that there is a proportion of these that are that are more DNA based than RNA based because of this manufacturing defect, they're going to make spike protein for the rest of their lives. Continually. That's bad. 
It's, this isn't, you know, this, this, it'll only stay in the arm, it'll only be temporary, it all gets cleaned out again, it won't travel to any other place, it won't cross the blood-brain barrier, all of this. So now, so, so what you're saying is, these are the best vaccines to get because you don't have to get boosted. That's right, Cathy. Right. Um, no. no. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, again, just striking to um, the notion that it's completely reversible. That it's temporary well so that explains because i i remember finding out a while back that lots of people were still producing these mm. um spike proteins and yep. you know again and again and again and well there was also a mechanism there was a mechanism in the liver that if it got to the liver then it could be translated into dna um right uh, and so that was already something that people have been talking about that they could get to the point where on a more limited basis it would uh, if it got there um, limited in scale, should I say, um, that then you might permanently be producing stuff because it can get converted into DNA. But this is, there's DNA in here in the first place, in which case... Game over. In which case, there you go. Um, if that isn't genetic therapy, or what is? So I'm, I'm just thinking here, you have one of those, let's say you have one of these dodgy batches yeah. where you're continually producing spike forever and therefore shedding it to other people as well because shedding is a thing and so you and i might get sick around one of these people every time we get around one of these people but also i'm thinking about what have you had what what have you continued to get jabbed and boosted and you, you unfortunately when you're already in that state when you're already in that state and you unfortunately have jabbed by the another dodgy one from the similar batch but these are the people who've died that, that's got to be this is my characterization yeah. of it. Is you you? I think. I mean, I've I've been thinking recently, and this is me trying to be on the hope side of things, that they aren't as deadly as I thought. Now that's still a very short-term position to be in because I, I do think that they're probably going to have going to be giving people long-term problems um, that will arise later but potentially that is it might be shortening their lives but it's not cutting them in half you know um where was i going with that well it's it's the shedding that is the most terrifying for me if that's if that's happening well shedding of spike which is not the same as shedding of the dna no but that's still got to be that's got to, that can't do any good. Yeah. No, it doesn't. It's a, it's a toxin. Yeah. It's cytotoxic, the spike protein. I mean, I had, I had a guy live... It's a bioweapon. I, I had a guy live with me for a year um, and who was vaccinated. And I, put, I you know, I, I got ill a couple of times more often than normal. I just put that down to the fact that I hadn't really seen anyone for a couple of years. Yeah. Um, but I'm wondering if... You know, he perhaps shed it, and part of me getting sick a number of times was maybe. You know, that's that's what's you know. What right? So look, let's not get into germ theory today. But germ theory relies on, in a large part, you not knowing how you got sick, and you drawing on the assumptions of others that they want you to have, which is. Well, it must have been this thing. And those assumptions are just that. And they 
they want you to ignore all the times where if you were to really think rationally about it, you should have got sick, but you didn't. Mm. And all they say is, oh, it's your immune system. So they've got, they've got a really easy out, which is you didn't get sick that time because your immune system, job done. Or you got sick and you don't know why. Yeah. No, you got sick because it was a virus. But who did it catch it from? It was a virus. It doesn't, doesn't matter. It's these things, it's a contagion. It's germ theory. You, you see what I'm getting at? So as soon as you actually start to think logically and rationally about these things, then you can all think of times where, well, okay, let's take, let's take your wife as, a, as, a, as an example. If she seems to be refusing to get sick. Oh, yeah. She's, she's been around so many people who've had it and never had it. <laughs> yeah. not, even, not even remotely. Well, how does, how does that work with, uh, with got a good immune system. theory of contagion? <laughs> exactly. See what going. So, yeah, I don't want to hijack this yeah. um, on, on that. But just, go, just going back to the shedding, though, this, this, is, the thing, this is the thing that worries me a little bit, is that if... I don't, I don't know how many... I don't know what precise percentage of the population has been jabbed. Um, but it's quite high, Um I, I think it's more than fifty percent. Yeah, sure. And and you know, I work I work in an office, um, and I, I I reckon. I mean, it's in London. It's in IT. These are reasonably woke people a lot of the time. They're all going to have been jabbed. So whenever I go in the office, I'm going to be surrounded by people who get jabbed. Yeah. If people are going to get either going to get jabbed continually, or they're they've been jabbed by these dodgy batches and they're continually producing spike proteins and and they're you know they're shedding. Okay, I'm not going to die, but I'm going to be <laughs> potentially. I could be constantly getting sick for the next however many, however many years because they're going to be because everyone and you go to the shops and stuff and they're going to they're going to be shedding and stuff and it's just every, every, people like us who haven't been vaccinated are going to be getting ill. Let, through let's, no let's fault of our own. Let's be clear that you have to make the assumption here uh, that shedding is a thing. Yeah, um, and we and we don't know. I'd love for it not to be a thing. Agreed. Um, but that would still fit terrain theory absolutely fine. Because mm. you're, you know, what, what, what's happening is is that you're getting, um, uh, I don't want to use the word infected, <laughs> uh, but you are being exposed to some form of contaminant that is toxic yeah. to you. Yeah, some pathogen that's... Um, well, even that word's not necessarily that good, but, okay. um, but you are... You are, you know, you're putting yourself out of balance by mm. experiencing something that is toxic to you. So a to- toxin is probably the best word to use. Um, you know, in the same way that if there's if there's something in the air, if they've been spraying Agent Orange, then you're probably going to get sick. Um, that doesn't mean you got sick with a virus. Sure, it was because they were spraying Agent Orange. You know, so yeah, that 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 would fit still. Yeah. Um, but if shedding is a thing, that's 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 a worry that they're going to be is, infecting it everybody. It is a worry. Um, um, have you got any more on Scott Adams' talk about? Because I'd like to pivot now, if necessary, if 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 you haven't. No, sure. To um, the latest Twitter files. Sure. Obviously, this might not be the latest um, Twitter files by the time this uh, this goes out. Um, but this is a, a, a Matt Taibbi one, um, relatively long thread. I must admit, I don't really like the format. I prefer it like when Alex Berenson did one. He did it on his Substack, and he wrote an actual article. I don't. I don't think this kind of investigative reporting works particularly well on on a Twitter thread. No, it doesn't at all. No, it's annoying. Yeah, uh, annoying is the right is the right word. Um, but and, and here's the other thing: is 
it's not that I disagree with the conclusions that they draw, but I feel like they miss the important things. Yeah, sometimes they'll post a screenshot and they'll say, oh, look, look at this. This is hugely important. It's like, well, look at next to it. It might be, but what's this other thing on the page? Yeah, exactly. Um, so this one, and I'm not going to go through like we have done on the previous podcast. I'm not going to talk through the entire thread and exactly what it is. Um, the broad strokes are there's this organization called the the virality project um and it's one of these shady organizations that's invented purely for censorship and that's it um and it's it's again it's this arm's length outsourced form of censorship that companies like twitter and facebook and all the others can point to as supposedly some independent source of good information to use to censor their platforms. And like they can say, oh, it's, it's fine, we're taking from all these. And they're doing this job for us. It's amazing. Yeah, we're not doing it. It's some independent fact checker. Yeah. It's that kind of um, thing. And obviously, they shouldn't be censoring basically anything. Um, uh, let alone, I would. I think I would have a bit more respect for them if they had actually just worked with an in, you know, had an internal team and a set of rules um, that they actually stuck to. Um, but that's not the case. I mean, the evidence is absolutely that's not the case at all. And they've got the government leaning on them, and they've got these all these other organisations leaning on them. They've got all the they've got all the elements of the deep state leaning on them, and then they've got these just other organisations. But they've up. also they've also got the priorities all wrong. They're not. They're not out there tackling child pornography. No, or any, anything like that. No. no, no, no. It's it's whether you've mentioned ivermectin. Yeah. Um, actually, interestingly, um, that's not on this list. Okay. Um, so here is something from. To be fair, we're we're probably too late. Into, uh, having said that, when did Joe Rogan get it? So this is um, this is an email from March 2021. So we are in in the middle of the vaccine rollout. Um, we're just just starting to hit the lower lower age groups. We've done the old uh, at this point um, in you know in all Western countries, um, and I mean this is actually an email from someone at Twitter back to the guys at the Virality Project um, and CCing some other CCing our friend Yol at Twitter dot com uh, and and others. Um, I like that they they basically all get to choose their email address. There's no corporate standard at Twitter. Right. So it's it's just yol at twitter.com. Um, but it's Brian Clark, or one word, or... There's probably more than one Brian. Jo- some, some other Brian would, would have got Brian at Twitter. And then Joseph Gwai is Jay Gwai. So there's, there's three different examples there. First initial surname, full name, first name, all at Twitter. Um, so I find things like that interesting. Um, but not as interesting as the content of this email, which is this person basically fawning over this thing, saying, "Oh, it's really, it's really great that you get to give us all this information that allows us to to censor." Um, and the stuff that um, uh, that Matt Taibbi has highlighted on here, it, it, it is misuse of official reporting tools and statistical data, which is one of the things that um, uh, that they're saying is you know is obviously bad to draw false population level inferences about the safety of vaccines. I mean, this was obviously a thing. I remember us talking about this. Is that you could look at the even the stuff coming out of the UK Statistics Authority, and you could easily look at this data, not really have to manipulate it in any way, shape, or form, and say, 
well, they're not very effective then, are they? You know, because you look at the unvaccinated versus vaccinated, and they started they started putting notes against this data when they were releasing it. Then they started hiding the data because they didn't want people to do it. And they would put a note at the beginning of the report saying, well, you mustn't do that with it. And it, they had this double standard, didn't it? it? And we've talked about this before. It was, we'll make it really easy to make them look good and will make it really difficult to make them look bad. And there's no equality between those two, two ways of Well, measuring. yeah, they were, they were doing things that we mentioned before about the, um, the PCR tests, where they were doing the different yes. cycle times. But even, even when they were doing the different cycle times, it was still obvious that the data wasn't working. And then eventually they pivoted to, oh, yeah, but they're, they're dying with COVID and not from yes. COVID. Yeah, they'll find a way mm. of either making one side look bad or the other side look good. Um, but yet, the, uh, the other things he's highlighted here, um, campaigns against vaccine passports, inciting fear about mandatory immunizations and promotion of vaccine exemption cards. This is one of the things that they wanted to stop. Yeah. So it, there are revealing things in here. There are proper revealing things in here. Inciting fear about mandatory immunizations. We could talk about that for quite a while. Um, but... Here are some of the other things in this list. It's, so, like, it's like quoting the Geneva Convention, one of the things they oh, account for. Oh, pretty much. I mean, that's why it was so. That's why it was created. Just to, just to put this, this bulleted list into context, of the themes and patterns observed by our teams, the following are most interesting for us to continue to track and address. And those two things I've just put are in that list. So they're there going, ah, oh, we really like it when you talk about how we can find people that are campaigning against vaccine passports. So it's it's sinister as fuck, is, is all of this. And so I'm totally with this Twitter files drop and what it and what it does show. It none of it's a surprise to us. It's all confirmation of what we what we feared, at least. I mean again, we didn't know. <laughs> but we what did we make assumed. we did make assumptions. And we made assumptions that the US government was pushing that so was Bill Gates and his cronies and everything else. And and the point is is this is the way they do it. Going back to, you know, is it a coordinated plan? No, because all you need is to fund the virality project in a certain way, make a few phone calls, make them feel good about the fact that Bill Gates has given them a shout or whatever. Um, and, uh, and and push a certain agenda, and then that gets, you know, that gets lost in the links between then them and the the people at Twitter that are just doing as they're told because they've just got this report that's been given to them. Well, just just to, before you go on to the next point, another reason this is really important is, uh, and this is the point that you made and you you brought up in the the last podcast, is that the sorts of people who work for these organisations are going to be the sorts of people who will work for the WHO. Yes. And so if, you know, it's all very well saying that, you know, pointing out that politicians are, are, are Muppets uh, and they're not doing a very, very good job. It's not just the politicians. It's all the shady corporations and... Um, oh, they are know, mostly private and companies. And yes. NGOs and yeah. all these things yeah. that are doing it. And they're the sorts who are going to, who are going to be... These people will be... They'll be outsourced to, again... You know, if there's yeah. if, if the, the WHO gets control of their kind of pandemic treaty or whatever, and they suddenly get to control, I, I say private organisations. So many of them are funded in shady ways. Yes, um, and in fact, this one is spun out of like Stanford University. So mm. it's it's effectively being funded by the state um, and by generous benefactors like you know philanthropists, Bill Gates, who will give money to these 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 places. But it's it's 
it's almost textbook fascism at that stage because yes. it yeah, really totally. is a merger of, totally. of private corporations in the states. Totally. So of this of this list, I want to read some of the other things that he, that, that Matt Tubby hasn't highlighted. And I get that you can just focus on one element for for this stuff. Uh, but you know, the number one on this list is unsubstantiated reports of pregnancy-related injury or death. I mean, just just the fact that that's even there, and I know it says unsubstantiated, but well, should we talk about the substantiated reports then? Is th- is that okay? But what's unsubstantiated? If well, it, you know, exactly. My someone I know has died of this two days after getting the jab. Is that unsubstantiated? Is that but it's, the, down it's the pregnancy-related stuff mm. that just makes it even worse. Um, concerns that COVID nineteen vaccines are scare quotes experimental or not officially re- approved. I mean, that's right. They are experimental, and the approval is an emergency use authorization. So even by their own terms, it is it is not actually officially approved. It certainly wasn't at this point. They 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 did a fake approval thing like a you know, later on that year, didn't they? Or was it early 2022 where they did a whole oh, it's okay it's been approved now. It's not EUA anymore and it was it was basically bollocks and then um they still it was only comernity, wasn't it, that was approved. And so what they did was give give everyone the unnamed one so that it wasn't covered by the same rules. As an aside, um, purported links between mRNA COVID-19 vaccines and cancer. Can't talk about that. This is the one that is related to what we were just talking about. False associations. What I find interesting is this is a guy from Twitter who has written this. And so he's using a slightly different thing. We've got unsubstantiated reports, concerns, purported links, false associations, and another one is potentially misleading theories. And it's like he's trying to come up with as many different ways of of saying the same thing. Um, This one doesn't really work, though, I don't think. False associations that mRNA vaccines are gene therapy. So bought bought into the notion straight away that because it's only messenger ribonucleic acid it's not gene therapy i would argue that there there are no false accusations that it's because they're all true of course they're not you can't clamp down on anything by that definition no (sighs) potentially misleading theories regarding escape variants um and i've already mentioned the last one about Vaccine passports, and but this is—they're all midwits, aren't they? He should have just put accusations about instead of false accusations. Yes, you're right. But they're not very clever. They are not very bright, and, and and you can you really can not. see it clearly everywhere. They're really not. Um, another thing, I don't have. And they're the policing language. I don't have the screenshot in in front of me, um, but this organisation was basically a rebranded version of an organization that did election stuff. And so they 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 all they all know each other and it's like, oh yeah, we were so successful at debunking election fraud that we've now turned to doing covid stuff. And and clearly there was a relationship already to Twitter. Um and there's a, just a little note in there like we did with the election. So and he's not Matt Tubb, he's not pointing this stuff out, right? Because it doesn't fit the COVID narrative at this point. But to me, it's so important to point out that there was an organisation that, 
and and emails like this would have been bouncing back and reports bouncing back and forward of similar things all related to the 2020 election and whether or not it was rigged. So we tried this out, this worked. Why don't we do the same for COVID? Yeah. And you know us already. You can trust us. Yep, because we're doing this for the greater good, comrade. Um, the, the, The biggest thing that comes out of this for me is not um is not these so-called revelations of which I will read confirmations one. yes yes exactly yes there's nothing revelatory about this at all um what what Matt Taibbi likes to highlight on here and granted it, it I think it's a it's a big element of this is that true content is also suppressed okay <laughs> You're actually looking quite surprised there. It's, it's almost only suppressed. <laughs> but what they consider true, so they don't consider true that mRNA vaccines are gene therapy. So they can cloak themselves in this um, uh, righteousness that they are only stopping lies, Andy. Until you get to this bit, <laughs> where, you know, true content which might promote vaccine hesitancy. That's literally a term that someone's written in this report. Viral posts. Viral posts. I love the fact that they still use, while they're talking about a virus, viral virus analogies for the stuff. Um, Viral posts of individuals expressing expressing vaccine hesitancy or stories of true vaccine side effects. So they acknowledge right here that there are true vaccine side effects. I mean, they literally never did that in public. But in private, in their little group, shared with Twitter in a report, they acknowledge squarely, head-on, that it is that what we need to do is stop all these nasty people. It's because they're rare and they're manageable, Nick. That's what it is. This content is not clearly mis- or disinformation, but it may be malinformation. That's literally what it says. In brackets, exaggerated or misleading. Also included in this bucket are often true posts which could fuel hesitancy, such as individual countries banning certain vaccines. Now, this is where it reminded me, and then I I had that in my head then for the rest of it. This reminded me of the SPARS document. And in the SPARS pandemic exercise... Was it Japan who banned the vaccine in that scenario? And then they were really worried that everyone was going to go, oh, they're not going to take the vaccine because another country has done it. And so a little takeaway from that for you communication leaders here is, you know, what to do if the medical establishment of one country disagree with the medical establishment of our country in terms of approvals and in terms of, you know, stuff like this. And they've they've learned from that. <laughs> and they said, oh, that's fine. What you should do is you should ban true posts which could fuel hesitancy such as such as that but this this whole thing reeks of spars the whole thing reeks of it's a good job that we had these clever people sat down and war game these scenarios because the answer is more censorship more control we need more organizations like this we need more deep state shady funded organizations of of young bureaucrats paid by dirty money to come together and ban 
doesn't matter whether it's true or not. Stuff we don't like for the greater good, comrade. You've. Um, I'm just going to pivot a little bit. Do you want any more of this scotch? Well, have a little bit more, yeah. Hang on. Um, yeah. So after after talking about how much? That, that, that's fine. That, whoop, whoop, that's fine. Um, so yeah, this is. You remember the um, Michael Malice podcast? Uh, no, it wasn't. It was um, James Dallingpole was interviewing Michael Malice. Yes, that was one of the and they ones got, I listened to recently. Yeah, and they got a bit. James Dallingpole got a bit religious. Um, uh, like he middle. does, like like he always does, and he was asking Michael about you know about religion, and Michael says something about I I believe that there are pe- there are literal demons that live among us, people with people people with no soul. You I know, thought this was fascinating. And the example he gave was people who who abuse foster children, who foster children deliberately to abuse them. Yes. And you can't you can't disagree with that, no. um, but people like this, who are deliberately censoring the truth, because they want people to get jabbed, with something that is clear, that even by even even by their, their own texts, okay, these are, we're, we're censoring the true side of. They've admitted and, it hurts some people. Yeah, even if you say that's a small number of people, these people have no soul. Yes. There, there, there's something fundamentally wrong with these these types of individuals. There are people who go along with it, okay, and there 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 are really evil people. There are people who go along with it. These these are people, you saying these people are irredeemable? Um, because I wonder how much of it is trained. Yeah, the, I, the, the brainwashing, the you know, the. All the reasons why. The reasons why 40,000 people did keep something covered up. Mm. Do you well, get no, what I'm I saying? Can, the pressures. Yeah, but this is this is different. This is, you've got the people who just didn't say anything. Yeah. And that's not great. Um, but these are the people who are actively... They're bought into it, fundamentally. Yeah, but they, but these, well, I, I think lots of people just maybe didn't want to lose their jobs and, and are just, you know... Not cowards, but you know, it takes a lot of guts to stand up to, these, the, to the government. These are zealots. These people are not the ones who are just not saying anything. Yeah, they're the ones who are actively, you know, actively suppressing stuff and saying we need to suppress this. We know it's true, and we know these side effects exist, but we can't let anyone know because they might not get their experimental jab. These people are, the, and I'm not sure whether and I'm the, not sure whether they are redeemable, but they're a long way down that road. And it will take a lot, and I, I bet ninety nine percent of them won't ever be redeemed. To um, to extend your analogy, or rather, to talk within the same frame of reference that you just have, it's if they have a soul, and we're making assumption here that people have souls. Um, it's been so marginalised and suppressed and repressed as to be useless to them or it is what they're doing is so damaging to their soul um that that there will be consequences <laughs> so that's why i'm saying it's like i think there probably are people that are like that but with but with the right environment and i'm, I'm not talking i'm I'm not talking about reconditioning them, so so to speak, but it's unconditioning them. Yeah, it? it's removing the existing conditioning. Yes, that that 
that they might be salvageable and then they might be saved. Um, and I mean that saved not in the religious sense, in the spiritual sense. No, but it's it's a comparison. It's almost yes. like it's like being born again, isn't it? You know, you could you could yeah. make the comparison with with, yeah. with that. I understand. Yeah, um, I I suppose I hope that they can be. I hope that all of these. I don't want them to just change their mind for political reasons. I want them to change their mind for spiritual reasons. The difficulty is once you get. I, th- I think once you get down the path to a certain point, just admitting that you are wrong and you are that far wrong would do so much so much damage to you personal damage in terms of your relationship your jobs your all that kind of stuff no just just relationship with your own brain um admitting that you are it's like if you, is, let's say to... let's say you're let's pick something else that's unbelievably evil okay like the, the sorts of the sorts of people who've shot jews in the back of the head in the second world war they they had to convince them, you know, a lot, a lot of a lot of these people were some some of them were just turned out to be absolute psychos. Yeah, some of them just went along with it and followed orders. And followed orders. The best people just did nothing and didn't stop, didn't stop their colleagues. Um, but the ones who followed orders, you know, you you kind of get to the, the initially they what would, a low bar. The best people in that, I I know, I'm with I you. But, well, yeah. they were so, and this is what. So I've changed my tune. The, the book I read about this was called Ordinary Men, and I've changed. I've changed my tune this. slightly. It's an amazing book, but I would have renamed it Ordinary Cops, because I think the people to begin with, the sorts of people who become cops are different from other people. But that's 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 an aside. Sure, sure, sure. The the people who some some of them turned out to really enjoy it, and they would joke about killing Jews before breakfast, and it's just you. you it's one of those things. I read it, and I had to read something else afterwards because otherwise your brain was just thinking about it. I, too much. It was yeah, and, and I, I had to read it in really small doses because I was just horrified um, by humanity. Yeah, um, Th- and- this is a sign, by the way, that you're not a psychopath or a sociopath. Well- <laughs> just, I mean, I'm not a clinical psychologist, but I'm I'm pretty sure yeah. that if you are disgusted by those things. Then congratulations, you're, you're normal. I mean, it's it's a great book, but it is a really rough book to read, and you have to you yeah. have to read something else as well that you read afterwards, so it's not playing on your mind because some of the things you read about. But anyway, the, the, there were some people who just turned out to be psychopaths, and they would enjoy it. There was another group of people, and they would they would get like ill initially. Um, they'd feel sick, or they would be actually physically sick when they had to do this these horrific things but they still did them but they get to the point where they kind of get conditioned to it and then suddenly it's not okay but it's like well it's bearable and and now it's part of the job and that kind of stuff and 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 they get to the point where they're almost kind of like becoming the psychopaths and they're just you know it's it's like nothing to them you know and if they had to if they had to admit and suddenly realize that they they just killed you know over the course of a few years each individual one killed a thousand jews Imagine what that's going to do to you, mm. because what they were doing is they were telling they were telling themselves that they were doing the right thing, and that these were evil people, and that they it was for the greater good that they they needed to be yes. they needed to be yes. killed and they needed to be exterminated. Yeah, and they were justifying it that way. You know, it's a horrible job, but it must be done, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be the guy who does it because. You know, someone has to someone do has to do it, and I'm going to be that guy because I'm I you know I've got more resilience than everybody else, and they were just telling themselves all these lies. Imagine if they tried to 
to turn back from that and think, actually, you know what? I'm a mass murderer. I'm beyond any serial killer. Oh, you kill yourself. Yeah. And I, and I worry that it's not quite as bad as that, but these people who are, you know... It's who, an analogue. Who are thinking, okay, well, I'm now going to suppress this information. And now suddenly, you know, maybe 10,000 people have, have, have died um, in, you know, in the last kind of couple of months because they've taken... They've taken the vaccines because we've pushed them and we've suppressed that information. Imagine trying to row back from that. It's it's. I mean, people have experienced horrors, and strong people can cope with horrible things happening to them. This is different. This is but them this, doing horrible things. I know. That's a completely different thing. Yeah. Having something horrible happen to you or happen to your family is completely different. This is you suddenly realising that actually being a serial killer is not a good thing to be. I mean, I really struggle to put myself... I, I like to think that I, I've got a degree of empathy that I can understand how people feel in certain situations... Um, this one I really struggle with to try and put myself in the situation of someone who has been convinced and I think that's the right word to use that what they're doing is right even if there's a niggle and it, they don't have to have that niggle but regardless of whether they do or not that that maybe maybe suppressing the truth I can understand suppressing these lies and I know that these are lies th- these aren't lies sorry I know that this stuff is not true, so therefore it should be censored. That's a fairly, I say easy, I can understand that rationalisation and acting on it. The true stuff, Mm. that's another level. Um, But again, you can only justify in greater good terms. More people will die if you don't do this because the virus is deadly. And I I know the virus is deadly, so I'm doing this for people's own good. And I believe in centralization and government and these people don't know any better and they need to be saved from themselves and we're doing this for safety concerns. But what you're doing what you're doing at that point is you're sacrificing a certain number of the population and you're fine with it. Yes. You're saying these people will die, but that's fine because I think I, I think in, in, in when when everything is said and done, I think more people will be saved. So these people unfortunately have to die of these side effects I think the vast majority of people are in that position with those thoughts and that's not a very nice thing to think about no uh, but I think that I think that most people one unfortunately way more than 50% if asked if even pushed to think about it would still make that decision and to sacrifice some for the many. That's because they've been brainwashed about the greater good for their entire lives. Yeah. And I I think it's I honestly and I think I think about this a lot that it's I, I often wonder how I've got to this position. Of course, because you want to see whether other people can because take the journey. It's just I've been I've been brainwashed my entire life um through um well, it's it's through school, through school, it's through school. Well, and, and, and TV then, and, and then, then yeah, society, yeah, and then hanging out with other people who have been to school, 
um, you know, in adult life. And it's... Well, you've been in the world, so you have been subjected to all of it, just like everyone else. And it's, you know, it's... I, I just some, Sometimes I think it's like a miracle. Why are you immune? <laughs> that, that I've got to this... I've got to this state, and, and, and nobody else around me, ha- or very few people around me have. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's you and I... Um, there's the anarchist I met at work. He's the only one I've ever met. You know, and th- th- there's, there are very, very few people. Um, our listeners, our listeners, yeah. Um, but it's, it's, you know, you, we're not talking, we're not talking many. And I just think it's, it's. If you get to this stage, I just, I'm so thankful, I'm so thankful for whatever it is, and I still haven't worked out what it, what it is. Um, and it could be my character. It could be that I'm just a little bit. You're on- top of the awareness group, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it it could just be that I'm a little bit I, I've got a combination of arrogance and obnoxiousness and whatever it is that has just culminated in this distrust of authority. I must admit, I I do I, I I'm with you. I wonder about this, and I wonder whether we've talked about contrarianism before, and I wonder whether a bit of contrarianism to start with is a catalyst for this process. In that there's just something, like when there's a sign that says, you know, don't walk over this gate and you walk over the gate, whatever. Don't go on the grass, so you go on the grass. <laughs> that is a form of contrarianism. It's, I mean, it's, all, it's a rejection of authority, but that's what contrarianism often is, isn't it? And I know we've said that that's, it, being contrarian is not the same as what we're doing now. It's just that the Venn diagram's got a big overlap for COVID. See previous podcasts, um, but I wonder if it if it's, it's an early rebellious trait that just happens to lead to something else. Well, you're more likely. Well, I suppose what I'm saying is you're more you're more likely to end up like us if you started as wanting to rebel in some way. Yeah, so I, I, one of the things, one of the conclusions, that, well, what, not really a conclusion, but one of the reasons I think it might be, um, and we, I, did we talk about this the other day, about oxygen and carbon dioxide in the air? Not on the podcast. No, I know, but we, we, did, yeah. we did, yeah, okay, so this is, and this is going back to when I was at school, when I was a young lad, and because we were talking about climate change and all the propaganda that we were, we were, you know, mm. it was drummed into us. So this would have been and how early on it was starting. We're yeah, talking about the eighties. This would have been the eighties. Yeah, yeah. This would have been the eighties. Um, and we, I was in a classroom, and we were asked, "Okay, so class, what's in the air?" And then some kid puts his hand up and says, "Oxygen." Yes, very, very good, Johnny. Whatever his <laughs> name was. What else? What else is in the air? And I put my hand up. Okay, Andrew. What else is in? What else is in the air? I said, "Nitrogen." Really pleased with myself. Because you've read a textbook. Because I, 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 and I, you I, know, mum and dad bought me bought me like a big fat science book that I absorbed. The Osborne Dictionary of Science was that, is was what that you were talking about. A big I, thick tome. I have it. <sighs> I have it. I love that book. I think it's got your name in it. <laughs> um, the The spine has fallen off. I'm sure it is a well used. Well it was well used book. when I, I read it from cover to cover several times when I was a kid. I used to just pick it up. Pick a page. Yeah, I did. You would just, I you would just it. read it, it and you would just absorb information because it was interesting. My kids love it. Well, anyway, so I, I read that book and I remember thinking, I know that I can't, re- I can't remember the exact percentages now. It's seventy something percent, isn't it? Nitrogen, the Roughly, vast majority. Yeah, yeah. 
77, 78% or something, I don't know, whatever it is. But I know that the majority of air is nitrogen. And, you know, it's like 21% oxygen or something. And it was like 0.01 or 0.02 carbon dioxide. But I put my hand up and say, nitrogen. Really pleased myself because I've got this fact. Well, there might be a bit of nitrogen in the air, Andrew, but that's not the answer I was looking for, was, was what I got. Somebody else put their hand up. Carbon dioxide. Oh, yes, very good. Carbon dioxide in the air. And I, and I remember going. I remember getting this book and taking it into school after and saying, look, I was right. The, the majority of air is nitrogen. And that wasn't the only occasion, but there were several things like that that happened. And at that point, I'm like, you know what? You teachers are shit. <laughs> and I know more than you. And I'm, I'm, I'm cleverer than you, and I'm more knowledgeable than you at, like, fucking eight or nine years old. And at that point, it's like, why, why bother? Why bother listening to any of them? Mm. And and I would, I'd go home and I'd check facts with with that because I didn't trust, <laughs> I didn't trust teachers. And uh, there, we've talked about this on the podcast as well. The nineteen eighty seven general election. Yeah. Okay. One of my teachers had a big Labour poster in in the window, and I remember asking asking Dad, saying, "What what is what's what's going on?" Because you know. You and Mum are conservative voters, and and you know they're voting Labour, but they're teachers. They should know everything. Is like, no, no, no. Teachers don't know anything. <laughs> so I was kind of taught, thankfully, early on that teachers aren't you know fonts of knowledge, and they don't yeah. know everything. And learn on your own, make your own decisions, and learn on your own. Um, and for for years and years, I just I put that down to being clever. But more recently, in the last kind of ten years or so, it's like no, you've just you've just got to be you've just got to be self-aware, and you've just got to anyone can anyone can make these decisions. I, yeah. You just need to think. It's thinking for yourself. It might be a form of intelligence, but it's not just raw intelligence. It's not academic intelligence at all. Because no. I, I know some people who would not score as highly on as an IQ test as you or I, but they think for themselves. They're extremely successful. You know, probably make more money than you or I. Yeah. Just because, the, and and it's just that there are. Yeah, it's it's not. It's like you say, it might be a form of intelligence, but it, just thinking for yourself and being able to make your own decisions is like the best thing you can ever teach anyone in life. Mm. Um, and I think I did. I I did that early on. One because I used to read a lot, and I worked out early on that teachers were muppets, and also because you know because dad was great at, at at letting us know that these don't just because a teacher says something doesn't mean it's true yeah I can't remember where, where, how we got into that <laughs> well I was talking about Matt Tybee and the Twitter files um, so that, that. Oh, yeah and it, and it was talking about people being demons wasn't it and then I, yes. I, I was wondering how I ever got to this stage I still think it's a miracle that anyone kind of gets to the stage where they, they kind of think that you know that. well if we're going to think in abstractions like like the bad guys do we are a very, 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 very tiny minority, and that's that's what is scary. Um, I think. Oh look, I think there is a there is a sizable chunk of the population that are just swayed whatever way, mm-hmm. you know. And that, that's that's the mythical centre ground, I suppose, that politicians go after. They know they're not going to convince anyone on the the hard side of anything. Uh, they're after the people that just or not enough people. Yeah, they're, they're they're after the the sheep in the middle um, that can be uh, that can be convinced quickly and easily um, to do their bidding, um, and 
yeah, again, we were talking about the, the whether people were redeemable <laughs> or not. Um, I think that the people that are having the, the that have got the entrenched entrenched views on either side of of, of something um, are the are again the most difficult to try and convince. Otherwise, they've got so much vested interest in maintaining their position um, that they are going to reject categorically anything that disrupts that position. Well, I worry that the strength of mind needed to be able to row back from going so far down that road, if you, if you have that strength of mind, it would have prevented you from getting there in the first place. So that you would just you'd end up breaking down or, you know, what shooting I, yourself in the head. This is a sweeping statement, and it's not, you know, strictly true because I'm sure I'd be able to think about other things. Obviously, including my family. <laughs> what I love the most. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of those. This is one of those sweeping statements. Look, you'll get it when I say it. Okay. I obviously don't mean what I love the most. What I love is learning something I have an absolute hunger for it and it's I don't know it until I see it if I see something new that informs that can inform my opinion and me understanding something and knowing something then I'm like a sponge to it now the people who wrote these reports would probably consider to me that they, they, they probably rationalise me as being massively gullible or something um, and it's it's not like that at all. It's it's the it's the part of um, Scott Adams's process that should work, which is the the presentation of information, the sifting of it, the sorting of it, the rejection of certain bits, and the acceptance of others, and then getting to the point where certain bits to do a, to do an uh, a Brett Weinstein that you then accept into your model of life, of world, of, of your understanding. That bit at the end, so not just going, oh, I've just learned something new. The, the bit at the end where you accept this thing for being, um, for being important enough to, to, to be considered fact, if you like. I love that bit. I, so I love that bit. I heard, I heard this described really well by, and this is going to, you're not going to believe this, but by Toby Young, <laughs> right? Excellent. And, and he, he, was, he was saying that there are, you can split people into two camps in that when they're told some information, that, that you know, some true information that goes against what they believe, one type of person will have like a wry smile in that, you know what, this is great. I can now refine my model. And the other people will just, will just not accept it at all. And yeah. Just okay. Right. We need to repress that. I'm. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna even acknowledge that piece of information. And I've always wanted to be like the wry smile person. It's like I am that person. I didn't know that. I didn't know. That's great. That this means now that I might whatever whatever decision I make around this area is going to be better than it was. Yes. Five minutes ago when I didn't know yes. that information. So it's like great. That's fantastic. Um, That's how I feel because I feel I, I feel like. Something's been revealed to me, mm. and that I am better for it. No, and that, knowledge is power, and I am now more powerful. Yes, yeah, and and that I think is that's what drives a, a great proportion of what what makes me 
where I am now and who I am now and, and, and what I understand now is is that that's a drive. And the moment I learn something that, that, that improves the way I understand something, um, and right, no, here's the thing. Here's what I'm trying to get at. It's better when it changes your mind more. Yeah? If it's the, the, the more, the further away from what you thought it was that it is, Oh yeah, it's a better feeling. Yeah, yeah. You if, get more if, out if you of it. It's are, just if you are this type of person. If, if you're not, yes, it's worse. It's terrible. If it's just a slight course correction, then you just kind of go, okay, yeah, good. I'll refine that a little bit. But if it's if it is a revelation, if it is profound in its consequences for your way of thinking, and again, I know that that will be rationalised by the the powers that be as making me more susceptible to a conspiracy theory, for example. And it's, and of course I would deny that, wouldn't I? Um, but we're talking about, I'm not talking about the first time you're presented with a bit of information. I'm talking about you weighing up mountains of information before getting to this point. And that, that, that's, the, that's the important part of this. It's not, oh, well, he listened to a podcast on something, so therefore he believes it and, and, it, and it changes his view on whatever. It's about the slow accumulation of information over time and the, the absorption of, of actual evidence and, as I say, sifting through it and all of that. But if the journey is a proper mountain to climb and then, and then it fundamentally changes your perception of the whole world then that's a great feeling i need to i need to look into this a bit more but i remember watching some uh, a tv show um and it was it was all about this kind of stuff and it was talking about people being like stuck in their ways you know the example of someone stuck in their ways and they the, they were investigating how like how the brain works and how the brain works over time and over age and Older people, it's far, far, it's far, far more difficult for older people to Old have these new revelations. Yeah, to have these revelations, and they, they went into the science, the science <laughs> about about why that was. So I need to I need to look that up. Um, but it was a much more youthful characteristic. But there were things to do that you could keep your you kind of your, your brain active. So I think we we've got like young minds or young brains because we're still able to have our minds changed about stuff mm. so we come into new information it's like okay yeah that's great brilliant i've refined my model well use it or lose it is i think a fairly good um way of approaching this and so i just want to always be tested and that's what i consider it is i am constantly testing my assumptions yeah scott adams you're right they're assumptions I would have said, I know that viruses, ex- viruses exist and people get infected and whatever. And I would have said that really not that long ago. I, I, I know. Now, I'm in a period of questioning that. And I'm not saying that they don't exist, but I'm saying that I'm, I am going through a journey that I'm enjoying the process of sifting through and understanding whether or not that's, that's true or not. Um, and 
I'm sure I'm going to quite like the outcome when I when I get there. So I always want to be tested with something. And that that I don't think that's ever going to stop. I mean, the revelations are coming thick and fast now. Uh, you know, and I think are only going to get more uh we're only going to get more and more over the next months and years. Whether that's you know, deep state information being being revealed, whether it is documents getting revealed about the JFK assassination or the moon landings or whatever. I saw, I mean, again, you, you just don't know. And this is, this is the important thing, okay? You can get presented with a piece of information and that could be a photograph, for example. And you've got no idea on really the, um, the, 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 the providence of that, of that information. Something's doing the rounds at the moment and it's the photograph of, you might have seen this, you might not, of Neil Armstrong's boots, his moon moon boots, compared to the classic, the absolute iconic shot of a footprint on the moon. Okay, no, so I haven't you, seen this. So you must be able to picture in your head now the footprint on the moon shot. Yes. We're yeah. talking about a, not that foot-shaped, we're just talking yeah, about yeah, a yeah. kind of pill-shaped yeah, yeah. form, but with the ridges in it. Yeah, okay. I, I know the photograph. Yeah. Well, the photograph I've seen of his boots, there are no ridges on the boots. <laughs> okay. It looks like a boot. It just looks like a boot. There's no grip on it whatsoever. And now, as I say, I I don't know whether that's really a picture of his moon boots or whatever. Um, I believe it could be. And I believe it's possible that that is one of those... Frankly, many examples of of a of 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 a, of a reason to disbelieve yeah. that, at the very least, on that in 1969, that they stepped on the moon. Well, so yeah, and, and I'm not. I, I haven't researched too much into this. I'm not sure if they landed on the moon or not. What I'm pretty sure of is those photos are faked. Yes, it's not outside the realms of possibility that it's difficult to take a really good photograph on the moon. <laughs> Right, so they might have got there and just completely fucked it up. It's like, okay, they, they've got they've got back there. They've developed the photographs, guys. These are all shit. Yeah, let's let's fake some because the the public require exactly. require this. Exactly. Um, I, I don't know thing, enough about it. The only thing you can derive for absolute certainty, okay, here's a sweeping statement again, <laughs> is that they're liars. Would you agree? Yes. It, yeah. They're liars. And you can use that with any of the classic conspiracies like moon landings, JFK. 9-11, I think, is now a classic one. It's you know, 20 years ago. It's, 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 it's developed into that. Um, there's enough information. Let's not call it evidence. This isn't a courtroom. There's enough information there to be able to say something dodgy happened and you're suppressing real information. And actually, this is why the Twitter files, the lockdown files, even though they're not files, they are important. Files is like gate. Yes, it is, isn't it? Yeah, it is now. Um, they are important. And the reason why is because they show them for liars. And they show them as wanting to and... You may think they have good reason, but they show them suppressing the truth and trying to spin a narrative. And that, 
I think is really, really important to see because you, you, if you can apply it to something that's just happened, you can apply it to anything else that's happened in the past. And you look at that and you say, okay, they may not have had mobile phones back in the days of JFK, but it doesn't mean they weren't thinking the same things in the same way about what they wanted to do. And likewise at 9-11 and all of the other all of the other you know events that have shaped history. Yeah, and the question you need to be asking yourself is, and 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 not even just about the ones that we know about, like, or you know, one the ones that are that are popular conspiracy theories, like you know, like nine eleven, you know, jet fuel jet fuel can't melt steel beams and all that kind of stuff, and 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 the JFK assassination, and yeah, and the moon landings, all that kind of stuff. You know, there, there could be a whole other a whole host of other things that have been faked. There are that that you know, we don't know about. But the the thing you've got to ask yourself is: Have you know we, we've we've been giving we've been getting the evidence recently over a bunch of a bunch of things? Do you think that this is new? Mm. Do you think this is new? And this is just this is just modern day politicians in the last five years. They've all they've all been fine in the past. Salt of the earth. Or could it could it be that this type of individual, um, you know, it just has behaved like this since time immemorial, and it's just that we're aware now. It's the yes. awareness that's increased. It's not the amount of, of of wrongdoing. Well, I think. Well, it could be both. It I could be both. Yes. Why not both? Well, <laughs> I know that's my answer to everyone. <laughs> um, I think. I think it is fair to characterise it as because we I, I, I use this argument about the, about the media more than anything that they're definitely worse now than they were. That's not to say that they didn't suppress things and were on the wrong side of history and, and everything else, but I think they're fairly measurably worse now in terms of suppressing the truth. And I also think that the bad guys. You you pointed this out earlier in this podcast. They're doing too much too often. And I think that's fairly measurable as well. I mean, I counted it with, yeah, but you know, you, you're not counting, for example, all the terrorism that, that happened um, that was probably just all fake in, in, in some way, shape or form or orchestrated and engineered at the very least. You know, if the funding for it has dried up, that's why there's no more, <laughs> no attacks now, for example. It didn't, doesn't suit them politically anymore for those things to happen, so they don't happen. But, but also, it's a, lot of the, a lot of the terrorism was in response to what the US and the UK were doing. And if the UK had been distracted by other things, then they're not going to be the reactions. The, the idea that they were unprovoked is, this is ridiculous. The idea that, that like you know nine eleven and these things you know if they you know it, it, it's a lot of these terrorist attacks they you know the the narrative was this this was unprovoked and we were completely innocent and we've done we've done nothing against the Middle East in our entire history and they've got no reason to hate us or that or that they hate us because of our lifestyle because of our freedom yeah or maybe it's because they hate us because of what we've done and if in the past few years we haven't we've been concentrating on other things maybe there's not the response. That could, that, could be, that could be another thing. Maybe. I think it's probably more sinister than that. Um, but again, like all of these things, that doesn't mean that it's only, the only thing. Why that, not both? Why, why, not, why, not, both? why not both? Um, uh, well, at war, um, the... Okay, the how's, real, this, the, how's this for sinister? The, real, the really sinister thing is that they <laughs> deliberately do this because they want yes. the reaction. 
Well, so I was they can, say they can get their way, and they can, they can, we can. Okay, if we if we do this, we know they're going to react, and they're going to do they're going to do some kind of act against us. Therefore, we can get this law through. How how about this for sinister? Okay, and that is that the security services can stop things, but they choose not to stop certain things. So it's not necessarily. Again, how do you how do you get a terrorist attack? Well, you can pay the terrorists. That's one way. You can say literally, you know, make you do this. You can maybe the, just influence the, the, the them a Jesse bit. Smollett, but, um, well, there's that. The, yeah, the school <laughs> of yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, you've seen. You've seen. Just a sidebar. You've seen the video of those two guys reenacting. Yeah. Oh, it's right. the funniest thing I've seen for a long time. Are they the actual guys? Yeah, they're the guys. So that, that's not no, people no. taking the piss. No, they're the guys. Those are the actual guys. I gave him a noogie. So. <laughs> it, it's really surreal watching it. I know. Because I was questioning. I'm there going, is this is this a skit? Is it, this? It was like a skit, wasn't it? Yeah. Honestly, that's the funniest thing I've seen and for a long time. I, I must admit, the, the thing that made me believe them was early on when they actually talked about him not turning up on time. Yeah. And, and then wondering going what there, to do. We've got no we, phones. What do we do should now? We, should we just go? Should we just go? And yeah. they were almost scared of the situation yeah. that they were in because they've been. They, they felt like they maybe had been set up. Ironically, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Now that is that was a really interesting piece of piece of video. Yeah. When they're reenacting, running over and shouting at him, and the slurs and stuff, yeah, and they've been the told to say and stuff, and shouting that make America great again, and yeah. So that is a little microcosm right yeah. there. Why isn't that? Of, who's to say that's not done at scale by far more sinister people? It is, Andy. It is. <laughs> Rhetorical question. It absolutely, <laughs> it absolutely is. Um, yeah, but but what's to stop? It, you, you could fund terrorism directly. Paying tax, for example. <laughs> um, or you could be watching terrorists and just go, eh, I'm pretty sure that bomb maker is making a bomb. In fact, we know he's making a bomb. We know he's going to release it over there. Um, politicians, politicians, do we need do we need an attack right now? Is attack right now right good? Because there's, there's one going on over here. Yeah, no, leave that one alone? Fine, we'll leave that one alone. There's literally evidence in most cases that the terrorists the involved of them or whatever and yeah. MI6 and everyone else that they they were already on some kind of watch list they were already under surveillance there's always I mean the lessons, best thing about lessons this lessons will be learned Nick no but, no but it, no, it's even better than that isn't it we need to we need to give them more money clearly this needs more money for them to do a better job so they get they get win-win they get they get to scare people they get to uh, support whatever narrative they're doing at the moment that wants people to give up their rights um, in order to keep them more safe and have more security. And they get to say, if, we, if only we had more money and more resources, then we might have been able to stop that last one. Because there's a little bit of evidence to show that they were just on our radar. But if only we had more guys. I don't want to out-sinister you. Oh, go for it. But... What could be worse is not is is that well, worse is literally organising it. Well, I'm not necessarily organising it, um, but, but they you don't c- need to if there are people who hate you already. Is what I'm getting at. Yeah, but you need to. It, okay, so there's 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 the awareness of the people that hate you and ignoring them when it's convenient, which yep. is what you just said. Yep. 
there's the organising it, which is like we'll 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 pay you to do this. Yeah. There's another there's another way, which is we're not organising it, but we're going to piss off people that we know are going to attack us. Provoke. Or, yeah. We're just going we're just going to provoke people and keep prodding. I'm not sure that's worse than organising it yourself. No, but it's worse than what you said, which is just yeah. ignoring it. It's not. It's not worse than yeah. It's all bad. It's all pretty. It's it's. They're all demons. Yeah. Can, can we? Okay. Um, Dutch farmers doing well. The um, the the, uh, the party, the Prague Agricultural Party in uh, in 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 Holland doing well in the election. That's a fantastic white pill. Can we can we perhaps not end on we can. demons? And look. I mean, the fact that we know about all this as well is a white pill. Uh, totally, uh, totally. We live in a very high information age. Mm. Um, I hate using their terms, but we are not low information people, <laughs> and that is a term they use, isn't it? I, to be honest, I quite like that um, because I, I, I tend to refer to low information voters. Um, which are you know worse for than, you? You just mean voters? Yeah, it's all. <laughs> you know, it's worse than it's worse than your average voter. It's um, a low information voter. It's a low information voter. Yeah, <laughs> or what's even worse? What low li- low liability voters? What's that? Well, people who don't pay much tax. Oh, so they're not got as much skin in the game. Yeah, no skin in the N- game. Net. Net gainers, net yes. benefit, which is yes. the, the, the majority of people now. It's over fifty percent. Yes, low liability voters. Do you know what? Um, this is positive, and it's positive for my well-being at the very least. It's about how free I feel. So you'll like that, I would imagine. I feel so much more free, and I know I'm not. <laughs> But I feel more free in not consuming or caring about anything political anymore. Now, I, I know that politics is a form of control, and I know that I am influenced and I am controlled, and I am, let's put it mildly, inconvenienced by political decisions. But I, for example, know absolutely nothing about Jeremy Hunt's budget and I in the past would have been all over that even if it was to just understand how it affected me but I I have no idea I my assumption is absolutely that I will be negatively affected but I make that assumption now about any political decision of any kind by anyone so I am freed of the burden of trying to understand the difference between maybe the ones that are slightly worse or even worse. <laughs> and I don't have to listen to any of them. I don't have to watch any of them. And I I feel and, and I don't have to listen to any media or watch anything at all. And that that is a real sense of freedom that you get from that. Would you mind could I have the last word? Of course. So I saw this tweet and it was just a screenshot, so I haven't got the actual tweet. But it's um, it's it's a point of view, and I just want to if I could just read it, and then we'll end the podcast. Okay, it's, it's from. Uh, I'm, in, in which case, I want to interrupt you so that you can have the last word, because the last thing I want to say is anyone contacting us in any way, shape, or form. It is 
always appreciated, no matter what medium is used to contact us. And we read everything that is sent to us. And we love that we've got people all over the world. Now now you may have the last word. Thank you. So this was a tweet I saw. It was a screenshot, but I, I, I kind of copied it and, and saved the image. It's from a guy called Xavier Dagba, I think. Mm-hmm. And he says, The world isn't getting darker. It is detoxifying. The darkness you see represents the toxins that were crippling the collective psyche of humanity. You are only seeing it because it is being extracted. Your heart-centered presence is the antidote. Keep shining. If you've enjoyed this edition of Sounding Board, make sure you subscribe on your favourite podcast platform and visit soundingboard.com to see all our audio recordings, videos and blogs. We don't want your money, but you can support Sounding Board by giving us a great review and sharing us with the people you know. If you have an idea for a topic of conversation, why not join us in our Telegram channel at t.me forward slash soundingboard. See you next time.